So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. It has been a few weeks since you've had the chance to listen to our dulcet tones, uh, given everything that's going on in the world right now. But we are back to talk comics. We're back to talk about what we've been enjoying reading recently, our most recent pull lists, a little bit of a chat about the state of the industry, uh, quite a lot to uh, get through. So as ever, your host, Alan, I'm joined here by... Vicky. Also joining me is... (laughs) Mr. Miller, how are you? I am. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And I guess the I guess the confusion you're hearing is uh, that that is this is the first time that we've uh, we've we've had the uh, the need to record remotely. Indeed, uh, we we usually have the the pleasure of each other's company in person. This this is a little different. It certainly is, and and with uh, I mean with with the social distancing rules that are uh, that are in place here in the UK and in Northern Ireland. Uh, we just we just couldn't risk being together. That's why we've been been a little delayed over this whole uh, coronavirus thing. Um, we've been delayed. Comics have been indefinitely postponed. But uh, between the, the 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 three locations, uh, Alan and, and Vicky in the studio, myself at home and Roddy at home, uh, we've managed to, to to try and rig up something through through Discord and the the magic of technology to to get the the podcast back up and running. So. That would explain why we're all a little uh, a little confused. How are you, Roddy? I'm pretty good. Yeah, up here and uh, it's a bit weird not being with you and not enjoying Vicky's wonderful cooking and sometimes Alan's wonderful cooking too. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange time for everyone. But um, it's actually really good to hear all your voices. Um, so yeah, good to good to be back and hopefully take everyone's minds off everything with talking a little bit about comics yeah 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 absolutely i mean it's uh it's been pretty much certainly in terms of lockdown with, with ourselves i mean we opened the store not the previous monday there but the monday before that was our last day opened and then uh smithfield market was closed down following you know all of the other non-essential businesses being closed down almost like a domino effect through belfast and you know it was one of those things we as a store, we wanted to remain open as long as possible, but at the same time, you do have a, a social responsibility to step away and observe, you know, the, the social distancing and the isolation and everything to help. So we were just very glad when the council actually stepped in and shut us down, you know, to a point because we we didn't want to close ourselves and then leave ourselves open to, you know, possible problems down the line with maybe the council saying, we didn't tell you to close, you still got to pay your rent and this and that. So... To be honest, it was a relief when the Belfast City Council actually decided to be responsible and uh, shut us down. For to a be change. honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we've been closed for for a week and a half. Uh, our our plans in that week and a half, we're working very hard on getting the online side of the store working. Uh, we've been cataloging a lot of comics. We every t- every time we think we've managed to get all the comics out of our home and into the store something happens and we have to bring all the comics back so uh, yeah as last monday i think i did three trips on my own while the store was open um with like taking comic boxes home well you weren't on your own gosh, I, was, gosh, I, gave you I, I was getting there i was gonna say thankfully i had some helpful hands i had gosha help me unload and load up the car and stuff like that so um I did three loads and then we brought all the Paulist boxes home, obviously to try and ship out comics to people that, or people could uh, pay for any of their comics that they had left over, which 
kindly enough people have been paying for their comics and we managed to do a run to the post office the other day to get a couple of people sent out to them so uh, it's just sort of been trying to get bits and pieces sorted our end to try and help people in the long term as well so they don't have too much to pick up at the same time when we come back so yeah well that's it i mean yeah. we 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 changed our delivery address we were hoping we were going to get one more delivery before all the deliveries stopped but um diamond comic distributors have closed down for the moment uh obviously they have to take care of their own employees and you know observe social distancing and all that kind of stuff so i would imagine shipping tens maybe even hundreds of thousands of you know individual issues around the uk that's obviously very labor intensive and a lot of people working close together so as as far as where were the the chat the releases that came out the week that we're going to chat about here which were released on the 18th of march this this looks like it might be it for a while there there are a few things on the horizon uh there's a few announcements sort of sneaking out here and there but to be honest they're not a hundred percent confirmed certainly from dc from marvel from image from all, all the big guys so We'll hold back on that. Obviously, when we know more, we'll certainly educate uh, all of our customers and uh, all of the people who are good enough to support the store, uh, let them know what's happening. But we'll only do it once it's completely official and you know we, we can talk about these things with complete certainty. So uh, for the moment, the industry's on pause, but we, we do understand that measures are being taken to sort of um, get it up and running again. So... Other than that, we've just watched a lot of Walking Dead. We've watched all of Flash and Arrow. Crisis on Infinite Earths was pretty fantastic, <laughs> I have to say. I've uh, been reading a lot and not leaving the house very much. Yeah. So it would be it would be fair to say then that, uh, you know, just for everybody to keep an eye on the, on the Coffee and Heroes uh, Facebook and, and Twitter, just, you know, for any official news as to, as to what's going to be happening, whether that's, yeah, physical or digital or what's going on? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, we we always do our best to keep all of our our, our sort of customers in, informed anyway. But as soon as we know anything, we will certainly update through those channels. Uh, we're now set up a lot better for the podcasting at home. So even if we're not doing these remote ones, I might do the odd one here and there and release stuff out to people as well. We'll we'll, we'll get it out. We'll get the information out there in as many ways as possible. Certainly, uh, just to keep people informed. I mean. The world is so uncertain in so many different ways at the moment. Uh, so we'll we'll do our best to keep people informed. But um, yeah, that's that's how our week and a half's been since we closed down. How about you, Keith? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I'm I'm still at work. Uh, I work for uh, as as you know, uh, some of our listeners maybe know. I work for a music uh, a music charity based in uh, in Northern Ireland. Here, head up the office of that. And uh, I mean, I've been working at home for the past two weeks, but. The charity launched a, uh, a five million pound hardship fund, coronavirus hardship fund for musicians. Uh, musicians, many folk know, are for the most part self-employed, uh, don't uh, don't have the same benefits and uh, uh, securities as as a lot of employed people. You guys, as, as self-employed individuals yourselves, understand that. Um, but we we launched this fund, and uh, it's just been it's been it's been a hectic two weeks. You think working from home? Is is uh, means you can you can chill out. Not the case at all. I've probably been more busy the past two weeks than I would normally be in the office. Um, so that's that's, that's kind of nice. Um, for the first week and a half, I was on my own, and then uh, last week, so last Wednesday, this day last week, because we are recording on what should be New Comic Book Day. Oh, <laughs> why did you have to say that? Why did you say that name? <laughs> it's also April Fool's Day. 
Well, yeah, well, it was until 12 noon anyway. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, so this day last week down Broda, my girlfriend came up to join me um, in the house. So uh, so it's been it was nice to have company. Uh, you know, I think I was starting to go slightly isolation mad. Um, but yeah, we've been uh, we've been uh, we finished off the first season of Lock and Key, delving into uh, the third season of Ozark, which I know we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, getting on the odd sneaky wee episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Comic-wise, I eked out my pull list from the 18th. Uh, that's the, the, the release date we'll be talking about, will be reviewed tonight. Um, but uh, that's, now, that's now gone. I've got a couple of uh, Lazarus hardbacks that I, have to, that I have to get through. I've read the singles originally, but I'm looking forward to getting back. I mean, in my house, I'm not going to run out of stuff to read. Uh, <laughs> so there's no, there's no worries there. Uh, what about you, Roddy? You're still at work? Yeah, I'm still uh, going into work. I uh, don't know if anybody really knows, but I work in the NHS. I'm work- currently working in the admin side of things. The way I feel about it, I am not essential, but the NHS said all their staff are essential at the moment. So basically, we've been just kind of going to work Um the first week, there was a lot of sort of kind of uh, sort of there might have been a mutiny against the uh, bosses as they were not employing social distancing measures. But towards the end of the week, it got a lot better and we sort of fixed it and got everything sorted. Um, and I think at the moment, we're sort of just trying to get on with our work, but we are most likely looking at redeployment. But um yeah, that's all I really know about it at the moment. Everyone's just kind of waiting around to get redeployed. And if that happens, then that's good. Because I guess even though we're on the admin side, I'm sure we still play you know, some small part in actually helping people. So hopefully I um, might get redeployed to somewhere to do with the COVID crisis. You know? So hopefully that can help people. But yeah, um, still going to work. It's a bit weird. The roads are very dead. Um, there's a lot of people walking, but the co- there's no cars in the road, which is really strange. Um, but yeah, I haven't really been doing much reading, read the pull lists, finished up Earth X, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm currently three issues from finishing the current run of Saga. So I know you guys have all read it. I'm probably going to finish it tonight. So say you know say some kind words for me i realize i'm in for something well i I got message today that um stephen finished it today and he just sent me a a message with the heart-eyed emoji and then the quite like the crying streaming eyes emoji that's all it sent tears of joy tears of joy of course of course (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or, or it could have be been that he has to wait like I do now until we finally find some news and when it comes back. As still no um, seeing it in the previews, yeah, I would still say, no but... official confirmation, unfortunately, of when it will return. Um, it's actually worth just jumping on there, actually, about previews as well. Uh, we will have a previews podcast coming out soon. We did, we did share the links through the page for the newest previews book as the previews uh, was supposed to come in that delivery I was speaking of on the 25th of March. But obviously with that not being sent, uh, Diamond actually did prove helpful for once and sent us free links to the complete books and encouraged us to share with customers. So 
uh, you can find those links through the page. So if there is anything on there um, that you'd like added to pull lists or whatever, just get in touch. Uh, finally, a date for three jokers, which is, you know, the biggest miracle of all. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly chat about that more in our previews podcast. So, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of how we all are at the moment. I suppose there's not really much entertainment news to talk about <laughs> simply because everything's being pushed back and cancelled and postponed and and all sorts at the moment so uh we're not going to focus on that too much we'll just we'll just jump into some comics we've a we've a good bit to, to get through uh, yeah i mean the as stated i mean these are from the releases from the 18th of march uh we always like to go through uh what how big our pull list was that week um, uh, i had a massive pull list like probably my biggest one in a while uh i had 30 books in total and uh but a very chunky, but the the ratio was very strange. I mean, obviously, anyone who listens to this knows I'm a I'm a big DC guy, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, this week I had, or this week of releases, I should say, I had three Marvel, seven DC, and twenty indie books, which is frankly outrageous. And so many of them were number ones as well. Uh, My magic is working. You know that that's it, Roddy. You know you're you're clearly uh, clearly having a hold on me. How about uh, yourself, Vicky? How many do you have? Well, I had fourteen, which for me that's still that's quite a big week for me. Um, I had three Marvel. Sorry, I'd say this, Alan. Zero DC and eleven <laughs> indie. So I was very indie heavy again as well, which I'm normally stop shaking your head at me. <laughs> No. And stop looking at me, those eyes are disappointed. I will be working on you during this period to get you into more DC, believe me. Uh, how about yourself, Keith? Uh, I was sitting on 22 books on the 18th of March, and as I say, I've eaten them out. I finished, uh, I finished the last of them this morning, actually. You know, I lifted up that last book and went, this could be the last new comic book I see in some time <laughs> so uh, of those 22, 10 Marvel 5 DC and 7 Indie but interestingly all 7 of those Indie were fairly close to the top of my you know best of the best of the week list yeah so uh, definitely Roddy definitely definitely your influence there um, yeah what about uh, yeah yeah yeah, I was on, I had eight, and no surprise, I had seven of them were indie, and one Marvel, and a big fat zero for DC. Sorry, Alan. No, you're not. I don't know what it is. I really love DC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not picking up their books at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I read these for a while. I think I was just really bummed out about it, you know, so I didn't really pick them up until, like, week or two after you know just kind of let the pile sit there which is a bit sad but there was some really good quality in this and i think it, i think with the week after i would have had a slightly slightly bigger pull list but this yeah this seemed quite small but the quality was really really there mm. uh what was your one marvel Roddy? uh conan uh yep yep that still, was good show. still sticking with conan really i'm enjoying it really yeah. you know jim zub is still He's taken along rightly. There's um the current story in Conan is called uh, it's called Into the Crucible, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's about uh, Conan effectively being dumped into this uh, this dungeon that is kind of like a, a Sumerian game show sort of thing with it with a bunch of other contestants. You know that they're all competing to become the 
um, you know, the, the favourite of the god. But I don't know if you were you were ever into fighting fantasy game books whenever you were younger. Oh, I was, Keith. This is this is a mad detour. I loved those books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was one quite early on called Death Trap Dungeon. Okay. I, no, I don't think I was familiar with that one. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was one earlier on called Death Trap Dungeon, and it had a sequel then called Trial of the Champions. And uh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So this this I think the End of the Crucible very much, uh, you know, it riffs off Death Trap Dungeon. You know, there was creatures in there, and you were you were down there to compete to become the people's champion or some such thing. You know, but it was uh, just as interesting. Um, I've got all those books in a box at home, Roddy. Ah, uh, class. Was yeah. it Steve, Steve Jackson and... Ian Livingstone, yeah. Ian Livingstone, wow. Yeah, That's yeah. And, taking me back. Yeah, I'll send you a picture later on. There was a there was a one that was released as an anniversary edition because it was, the, I think it was the 30th anniversary or something of them recently. Yeah. And, uh, Ian Livingstone wrote a new book to celebrate, so I'll send you a picture later on. I used to get them from the uh, Carried Off Library. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... We yeah. there on you guys. Sorry, that was another 80s kid thing. I, I foresee a, a separate podcast being burst out of this pandemic between you two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, sorry to, you know, interrupt and uh, bring us back to comics. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go through our picks of the week from uh, from the 18th uh, release. Uh, uh, perhaps unexpectedly, it's it does lean heavy in the indie stuff. Uh, there is... Uh, a DC book in there as well, but let's kick things off with yourself, Roddy. Uh, indie Keen, of course, you may as well take top position for this uh, indie heavy week. Yeah, so I guess like apologies in advance to our lovely listeners. The quality isn't obviously going to be the best. I am on the worst internet ever. I'm up at my parents' house and the internet is not the best, but... Shall we talk about comics anyway? Yes, <laughs> and you're taking it away with your uh, your uh, your choice there, Roddy, for pick of the week. My pick um, might not be a DC book, but it's certainly a DC writer, and um, one of the finest writers around. This is Something is Killing the Children, number six, and the writer is James Tinian IV. Uh, artist is Weather Deladera, colorist Miguel Muerto, and the letterer, and world design. Um, this is the first of, sorry, not the first, this is the last of the first arc, which we thought was originally going to be a mini series. This one, it's so it's the last of this story arc. Something I really loved about it and noticed right, right as I was reading the book, I love when a cover, when you look at it, you don't realize how it connects to the story. But then when you get to the end of the story, in this one, I loved how you actually you turn back to the cover and you go, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love that. There's something something about the design of this book is really special as well. I just thought six issues in would mention it. Just obviously we go on about it, the big massive. Did, did Something is Killing the Children inspire the massive title, double page spread title page? Or was it something else? I think it's it's kind of and Alan can probably uh, can probably back me up on this. It's a it's kind of a, a horror movie trope, um, yeah. hammer horror movies and that sort of thing. You know, they would have their introductory thing and and then the the, the, the title of the movie would slam onto the screen, you know, and in a black background and then you know it would continue. So yeah, 
Yeah, yeah usually, usually like a big creatures on the back again. Yeah, very much yeah. like a big clash of the symbols sort of thing. You know, would announce the title that kind of thing. But certainly in comic books, what you're saying is, I I think is pretty spot on. I think that this title seemed to lead the way for the six pages intro, double page spread, and then into the main story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so it's something is killing the children. If you haven't read it, um, obviously when the comic shops come back. Oh no, tell me this. Didn't the graphic novel come out? Well, you see, we didn't want to correct you because you were on such a good run. But if you go to the last <laughs> yeah. page of issue six, tell me what it says. Isn't this... It says The House of Slaughter, part one. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those ones. Uh, yeah, the first five issues comprised the first volume. Uh, the the trade actually came out one week before this came out, uh, just so yeah. people could get caught up. Sort of in that traditional image style model of here's the trade if you want to catch up, and then if you want to jump on the single issues, here you go. Well, I think preview said one of six, so whatever. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, to be honest though. When you read it, it wraps up the entire story of everything that happened before and then gives you, it's only the last couple of pages that really it turns up into the next arc. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, so Erica Slaughter, um, she's a monster hunter. She, uh, she is one of the two main characters of this book. There's James, who has suffered a traumatic incident. He's seen his friends slaughtered by this... Uh, monster in a small town um, and then uh, shortly thereafter Erica Slaughter appears in the town and obviously crazy stuff ensues and Erica is followed by a stuffed octopus that talks which is very strange yeah but yeah it's really good this issue I thought was fantastic um, so it sort of opens we're, we're in Archer's Peak and it's sort of James, obviously, in the last issue, some very traumatic traumatic events have happened. They find the the cave where the monster has been hiding, and then Erica gives James something, or no, uh, Erica injects is Tommy with something. Mm-hmm. Tommy's another character who's trying to find his sister, so Erica injects Tommy with something so he can see the monster. So there's loads of stuff happening in it. Um, but James is also there, and it's the the octopus sort of... Erica tells him to stay outside, but the octopus sort of tries to convince him to follow, follow her in, which I thought was really interesting. And then this one, the start of this book, we start... We see sort of reimagining of the start of issue one, and then it turns out it's a flashback, and James is still in the hospital with he's also with tommy and he sort of they all are kind of looking answers here and this is amazing i love the scene where uh, erica has to do a little surgery of her own she's just as a character she's just such a badass like she's i know the you know boomer also releasing the buffy books but uh you know erica slaughter is is a modern day badass buffy you know what yeah. I mean? You know, with 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 a more than a more than a sniff of uh, of Bruce Campbell's ash, and uh, you know something else like she's just she's just a total badass, you know. And uh, I mean, I thought this was 
you know, I think we all read this, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was one of the strongest uh, issues of the book so far. As as Roddy says, it'd be hard to differentiate whether this was the end of something or the start of something. We know, you know, from the byline that it is the start of something. Hopefully, the start of learning a little more or a lot more about the world that Eric inhabits and where she comes from, mm-hmm. the House of Slaughter. Uh, but I just thought it was great that you know it, it did cast back to the first issue, and you had uh, James the boy just prior to the the slaughter of the of his, his friends by the monster in the forest. Uh, you know he was you know that that moment where he got a chance to talk to the James as as a as a kid a boy who's slowly realising his sexuality, and he had a chance mm-hmm. a moment to talk to the boy that he he'd asked out, which was you know in his flashback, uh, which was kind of interesting and. You know, you've got a bunch of character things going on here. Tommy is the, the guy whose sister, his kid's sister, has been killed by the monster. And he didn't he originally meet Erica whenever she came into the diner that he runs? Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah. And he, of course, he thinks he's he's a man and he's a badass. So, you know, he needs to be doing something. to. And Erica just constantly has to put him in his place because she knows a lot. She knows everything that he doesn't know, or at least that he didn't know. Now he knows some stuff because, as you said, Roddy, she injected him with something that allowed him to see the monster. So now he has to come to terms with the fact that, you know, the fact that he can, he, his world has changed, you know. Um, and then we're also seeing a wee bit about, a wee bit of the House of Slaughter and how, as you suggested from the front cover, Roddy, that uh, Eric is kind of the odd one out there. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was really interesting. There's, Certainly, the towards the end, there's a lot of it hints hints at stuff more than anything. But there's certainly a line at the end where I think it's there's another woman with the mask, and she says something like, "The House of Slaughter has learned its its lesson about picking up strays." So certainly hints that Erica is not really one of them. So that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, where it goes from there, and we see there's a picture of a very a sort of cleaner cuts looking Erica. But yeah, what what do you guys make of it, Alan and Vicky? Yeah, for me, it, it's uh, it's no surprise that uh, this is back on the picks of the week list because I think nearly every single issue of it has been. Uh, we always like to say that we don't like to be too um, too predictable, I suppose. But if this isn't someone's pick of the week, it's usually on the uh, the honorable mentions at the very least. <laughs> Uh, Vicky picked issue five last last month. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm sure we can probably backtrace <laughs> further and find four, three, two, and one. But yeah, we just we just love calling attention to this title because every time you read it, it always feels like something special. A uh, great marriage of writing and art and mood. And what I'm really digging about it now, certainly with this issue, uh, you're starting to dig into the mythology a bit more, and you're starting mm. to look at the bigger world outside of this small town where this is all happening. I mean, the last. I love the whole idea of secret societies and stuff like that. And when you get to the the sort of last few pages and you have these other people who, you know, are wearing these masks um, and who are in these grand houses and with all this luxurious surroundings and beautiful paintings and it, it, it feels very old money, very old world. And uh, I love that kind of stuff. And the, the very last image of the the issue I thought was incredible. Uh, you know, you see Erica the whole way through looks so sort of aloof and assured and, you know, serious. And then there's this sort of painting of her that just looks ridiculous, to be honest. There, 
there's a there's a scene in it where she ends up uh in the police station with the little girl beyond is that what you call her yeah, uh, and uh, you know the, the little girl obviously is seriously traumatized. She's sitting in the in the cop's office. She's drawing. She's drawing pictures of the monster. And the, you know, Erica takes this moment to you know to try and understand you know to, to get information from the girl through her drawings and the fact that that the monster, the mama monster, may be dead, but you know she had babies. There was loads of babies, and to try and find the number of the five babies. There's five of them, and they would. The mama would eat the live kids and the babies would eat the dead kids and that scene was just horrific you know the the fact that this this kid you know scarred from her you know from her experience both physically and mentally is is just in a really kid-like way talking about how the mama would eat the live kids and the babies would eat the dead kids and she didn't think that they had big enough mouths and arms yet to eat the live kids that's why mm-hmm. dead kids you know and i was just like but you know this this moment with with erica who's clearly also a bit broken you know, um, Eric has had some sort of experience like this as well, and it made me wonder: is is this us seeing something like what Erica's history was? Yeah, like, po- when the House of Slaughter found her. Yeah, possibly. I mean, maybe there was no one around to sort of guide Erica through all this kind of stuff at this age, and maybe she's trying to use her experience to maybe chat to this young girl. What what I found interesting there's a, there's a great wee Easter egg actually where um, the little girl is working on a drawing. And uh, there's this uh, part where she says, oh, this one is you. And Erica says to her, that's very nice. If you look at that image, uh, it's obviously a very crude drawing, but it's a take on issue five's front cover. Um, so it is of Erica jumping at the monster. Like even the color scheme is the same for it, uh, which I thought was a very, very cool little detail as well. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, I mean, this, again, I said, this is a book we just recommend like crazy. It's easily one of the best indie books out there at the moment. I was so glad when it got moved to ongoing from, you know, a limited series. So It's always one that goes pretty much top of the pile um, when it's out. And it's sort of, I'm I'm missing the fact that we won't get one for a a few more weeks. So... (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you know what I really love? Um, Werther Deladera and Mikael Muerto, they work so well together. The art is just fantastic. It's got like this small Archer's Peak kind of has a small town horror vibe, you know, like something like a Twin Peaks or something like that. I love the, they establish such a great atmosphere and mood. It's sort of like a, uh, like a brush stroke kind of effect with the art it's almost mm. a painting yeah. more so than comic art i absolutely adore it it's, yeah, uh, sorry. i'm just just noticing uh, uh erica's even the way they've done erica's hair the color of it is kind of like off blonde like nearly a white silvery sort of and there's weird there's weird like looks like shiny tones in it you know they use those brush strokes but uh, i'm just on the double page spread i say where she's still talking to this wee girl and you were talking about you know she asks uh you know erica pulls the the octopus toy out of her bag and the wee girl goes oh he's ugly what's his name and she goes his name used to be octo and the wee girl goes used to be erica says now something bad lives in, lives inside of him and uh, i have to keep it around so it doesn't get out the wee girl goes oh that's not good and erica goes nope no good at all <laughs> so things a wee bit of foreshadowing there as well yeah, I mean, Tinian is, a, he, as Roddy was rightly saying before, Tinian sort of is one of the best writers around. And it's just great to see them flexing their indie muscles so much as well as the, the big two stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, well, totally on board with you with this one, Roddy. That was uh, that would have easily been in my sort of top three of the week. So uh, yeah, good choice. Yep. Good choice. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so that was Roddy's uh, choice, which was something that's killing the children at number six. So we're going to move on now to yourself, Keith. What was your pick of the week? Well, my pick is one that I have to uh, that I have to thank Mr. McCann's for as well because it was oh, him. <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> You're gonna make him blush. You know, he's probably sitting there in his pants. So, what are you trying to say? I am so glad this is an audio medium and not a visual one. I dread to think what we're all dressed like. But uh, so I have to thank Roddy for putting me on to issue one of Undone by Blood or The Shadow of a Wanted Man, uh, number one. That was from Shock. So that was last month. So number two uh, is this month, and I love the way even that that this is you know has a subtitle you know and the subtitle is well there's something really interesting going on with this book um as i said as an aftershock book issue two uh it's by the writers are lonnie nadler and zach thompson um they've worked together quite a bit they've got their own creator own stuff uh the dregs infernal descent uh worked on x-men and actually the artist is uh sammy cavella who was on uh, tommy gun wizards Ah, uh, good that we were reading. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but it's it's kind of like it's a, it's a neo western, um, and it's and 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 classic western western trope. It it's a story about revenge, uh, vengeance, seeking vengeance, and the cost of seeking vengeance. It's called Undone by Blood, but the subtitle is the Shadow of a Wanted Man. And the reason it has the subtitle is that the story is a, a two part experience. It's nearly like a like a meta fiction. Um, so, in the in, in the original story, um, our main character, uh, our main character who is called uh, Ethel, uh, Ethel Grady Lane, has come to the town of uh, I think it's called Sweetwater, um, to seek revenge for the death of her family whenever she was younger, only two years ago, because she's not legal drinking age yet. Um, her entire family were were killed in this town by, well. Uh, remains to be seen but uh along the way uh ethel is reading an old uh, dime novel an old western novel um about uh about a character called what's he called sonny soul or something is it so yeah something along those yeah uh yeah called soul so um, the way they've done it is just fantastic. So the original story is set in 1970, and then couched within this story is this dime store, this dime story western about this uh, with this, uh, this cowboy who he himself is a is a badass. You know, he's a he's a he used to be a, a, a bounty hunter. He used to be a merc. He used to be a train robber. He's done it all, you know. And uh, then he settled down, wife, kid, ranch, and the last you know in the last issue, his his uh, peaceful home was an unforgiving style, you know. Uh, his peaceful home was was interrupted. Uh, they stole his son, and uh, he's gone after he's gone after the the, the, the folks that the bad guys that have stolen his son, and he's heading towards Flagstone. But I mean, it's in, it's interesting because I've just spent a fair bit of time telling you about the dime store novel, you know, the the sub story, the metafiction story in it, which goes to show you just how well balanced the two stories are. So uh, it's. I mean, the, the, it just twists these two stories together absolutely fantastic. And not only is it a story about 
about vengeance, but I think it's a story about how how the, the stories we know and the, the fiction we read informs our lives and informs our actions because there's been through this ethel mirrors things that Saul has said in the story, but in real life, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Um, so it's it's definitely. I mean, you know, I like I like I'm, I'm between Deadwood and everything else. I like a bit of a western, you know, and uh, that Texas blood up coming, you know. But this is there's definitely neo western or noir western or something along those lines, you know. But it definitely is a very unique western experience. Um, the the pacing of it is is fantastic. It's it's kind of a slow paced narrative. You get the two narratives intertwining. The art is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and the 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 colors and the textures by Jason Wordy on on Sonny Cavella's art are just just really make it a, a gorgeous, well paced story to to read. And then I'm just really intrigued by Nadler and Thompson's writing. You know, it's it's such a cool meta narrative, such an interesting setting, uh, such a like a set of of rising creators. Um, really is really is something else. Rudy, you've read this? Yes, I thought this one. This I sort of had three at the top of my list, and this this one they're all kind of joint. Um, this book is phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> just it, it just oozes like this, you know, dusty Texas neo western, as you were saying. Well, Leaves you feeling dry when you read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like. Um, Lonnie Nadler is someone I've been following because I've been reading Black Stars Above, which is a yeah. vault title. It's gorgeous. I even love the way uh, Hassan, the le- the letterer, it even feel the lettering even feels old school. And um, is it what do you call the? Is it Elmore Lockwood, the writer of the the novel in the book? Yeah, yeah. Um, his text is done in this like old school sort of. Um, square paneling it's really really cool stuff but yeah i love the vibe of it i love i love seeing how violent it is um and it it doesn't feel like a cartoony or anything it feels properly brutal and visceral um and i love ethel is a fantastic character in it as well yeah i I really like what you said about um it both the the dime store novel informing the narrative yeah. And I was thinking, do we think uh, Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, I was wondering, are they doing it all together? Or are they just kind of, is one doing the, is one doing, you know, the main story and then the other doing the other story? What do you I'm think? Not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. I mean, certainly the 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 artistic team are, are the same on both both sections, you know, both facets, you know, but... But the way uh, your man Wordy uh, alters his palette, you know, colors totally, yeah. totally changes the thing. And even this is the first time. This issue uh, is the first issue that she's had a, a flashback to the time that her her family was killed. Mm-hmm. And even that, there's a whole different palette of colors used on that page or that you know that that one page. It's all blues and grays and and yeah. the family red, you know, and. Uh, and like you said, the the lettering is completely different from that and that in that section, the flashback section, uh, to the to the Dime Store novel, 
through the 1970s story. So there's yeah. a lot of real work going in to differentiate these things, despite the fact it's the same creative team. So, which, which is interesting because when you think of like your big two Marvel or DC, you know, if you would usually find there's two different artists doing like if that's what the story requires, you'd usually find, you know, like one artist is doing the flashbacks. We've seen it time and time again. One artist is doing this part. The other is doing the other part, you know? So yeah, I thought, yeah. uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, um, very, very much. Very more Westerns, please. Uh, something else that, uh, that I know you and I both appreciate, Roddy, is the end of... Uh, the end of the last issue had chapter four of the the dime store, the dime store cowboy story, the uh, shadow of a wanted man, and uh, you know then you know throughout it, that's it, a chapter, it's a chapter of the book that she's reading, and then uh, end of issue two has chapter ten of that story, and I, I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to write the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, because very, very the, the page numbers at the bottom is like this is page one hundred and eight, so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And there's something else, Alan. There's there's a there's a, a wee bit of a nod, or a or it comes from the same place, maybe as uh, Southern Bastards. Uh, certainly, the last page, the Revelation, has a has a, a wee snip of Southern Bastards about it. Well, okay, that's a you title know, but, that gets uh, my attention. Yeah, definitely. There's. Uh, I don't know if you've read that one, Roddy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Up until. Yeah. Up yeah. until number or volume four, I think I've read. Yeah, up until yeah, Jason definitely. Aaron and ignored us and went off to write some silly, you know, book set and some space <laughs> going. Yeah, went off to write about ten realms and stuff like that. Uh, some sort of wee small run for some other company, you know. So I mean, I I, mean, I don't know if uh, if Alan and Vicky are reading this, but I definitely think it's it's worth a look. No, I'm not. I think I might have to grab the issue simply because uh, this is a, it's an Aftershock book, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, just um, last time you were here, oh, I remember those days, uh, <laughs> but the last time you were here, uh, Keith was kind enough to lend me uh, Join the Future, uh, which yeah, is another Aftershock book, and I thought it was a brilliant first issue, and again, it's yeah. very, as you were saying, sort of neo-noir, very old way of life meets new way of life um mm -hmm. and i thought it was a wonderful wonderful issue uh so yeah i might i might just have to grab these off you and uh, get a wee read of them at some point i'd say whenever what I, I don't know what length this is any, any clues aftershock in general tend to be quite short runs um so i, I really don't know if there's uh i really don't know if there's an end game in sight certainly for this one but uh, i would be curious to know certainly I mean, I'd say I'd say this is a sort of book that would make a really lovely, uh, a really. Lovely... Oh, I think we may have lost Keith. Oh, hello. No, he's back. <laughs> yep, I'd say I was just saying. I think this, uh, I think this book would make a really lovely collected edition as well. Collected edition. Those were the two words that you got cut off from Sam before. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we are. <laughs> um, cool. So that was uh, Keith's pick of the week for the 18th of March. That was Undone by Blood, number two. So we're going to be moving on to myself now. Uh, you know, DC's been getting a lot of hatred early on in this podcast, but I guarantee you by the end of this review, if you're not reading this book, then I don't know if we can be friends anymore. Uh, <laughs> you're not on this, Keith, sure you're not. You're, you were on the first main event, weren't you? And you're going to be on the sequel, but you're not That's on this. Correct, yeah. But you're not on this, right? We're going to change that. So, 
Uh, so my pick of the week, and I'll be honest, this was the first thing I read from that mammoth pile, and I knew it wasn't going to be beaten. Uh, so my pick of the week was Deceased Unkillables, number two. So written by Tom Taylor, art by Carl Mostert, and it's inked by three different inkers, actually, although you wouldn't really know. Uh, Trevor Scott, Neil Edwards, and Carl Mostert doing inking as well. So, uh, yeah, Tom Taylor, obviously a big favourite of ours. You know, we've talked about a lot of his titles in the podcast. Uh, Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man was a fantastic run. I know All New Wolverine is a big favourite of Vicky's. Uh, he wrote The First Deceased, Batman Annual, all that kind of stuff. He's also a great guy on Twitter as well. Him and Tom Keener indulging in some great stuff right now. Carl <laughs> um, Mostert, I must admit, I wasn't too familiar with his stuff, but He's the artist for Deceased Unkillables. He did a, a short story in New Year's Evil, which was DC's New Year's uh, anthology. And he's also writing, or sorry, drawing a Aftershock title called The Man Who Effed Up Time, which I've heard some pretty good things. So Deceased Unkillables number two. So for me, honestly, early contender for issue of the year. Uh, my first thought when I finished this issue was that the, this was like peak Walking Dead but set in the DC universe. Like this was like when the walking dead was good, it was among the best comics on the shelf. Uh, this was up there with any of those issues for one single issue. So much happens, you know, it's, it's fast paced as any race against time tale should be. I mean, obviously the, the idea with deceased is, you know, in layman's terms, it's essentially Marvel zombies or walking dead, but in the DC universe. Mm. But the thing about it being a fast paced title is it's, it's not fast paced at the expense of great character moments. You know, it's, it goes back to something I always say, and again, I'll probably repeat myself, said it before many times, but I always praise good writers for efficiency of storytelling. Obviously, yeah. comic books, single issues are not always the longest issues in the world. Yeah. Now, in fairness, this is a double-sized issue. Deceased Unkillables is just going to be three issues, but each issue is double length, so it's essentially a six-issue miniseries. But there's not one wasted frame or line of dialogue in this issue. It is close to being a perfect issue i remember sitting reading it in bed and i had my headphones on and vicky was sitting beside me and one minute i'd be laughing the next minute i'd let up and let out an audible fuck sort of moment <laughs> uh she just kept looking over at me like what the hell are you reading you know sort of thing um so yeah so issue two so it kicks off with commissioner gordon jason todd and cassandra kane uh they're trying to form a plan they're trapped inside an orphanage in bloodhaven um what i should say is deceased unkillables is set in the same time period as deceased except it's just following different characters um, so as i said they're pla they're trapped inside this orphanage when they hear this radio report lois lane comes on the radio saying about how all the heroes are going to leave earth and if they um if people are still alive out there survivors they're giving them a couple of hours notice to come and meet them and they'll get them off world as well uh so that's how deceased ends is with the heroes sort of leaving earth jason and, and cassandra kane are saying they could make it you know we could easily make that no problem but gordon is the one who switches the radio off and says they might but there's no way of getting the children under their care to those ships the orphanage that they're in is maybe there's maybe 30 kids in there. But also he says this great line as well, where he, he, he turns to Jason and Cassandra and says, and don't tell the kids that the heroes are leaving them behind. You know, the, these kids believe in these heroes in this world and they're essentially being abandoned by them. You know, th this is all in the first three pages. We're only three pages in and the heartstrings are already being tugged uh, at Tom Taylor's specialty. 
So as well as following this plot in the orphanage, there's also a subplot involving uh, Lady Shiva. Uh, so Lady Shiva is Cassandra Kane's mother. Uh, and this subplot involves Lady Shiva, Cassandra Kane, and Mirror Master, who becomes a very important character in this book. This is usually a jokey type villain, but the same way Tom King could with Kite Man, for example, you know, make a silly character like really great and really important. So Mirror Master uses his ability to, you know, for people to move through mirrors from one location to another and brings Lady Shiva to the orphanage and she wants Cassandra Kane to come with her to Vandal Savage's hideout, which is basically where all the villains are and they're all going to ride out the apocalypse there. But Cassandra says she'll only go if the kids get to come as well. Now, Lady Shiva has no time for this. She's just like, there's no room. Simple as that. You're coming with me, though. You're my daughter. End of discussion. So you get this great sort of two, three-page fight sequence between the two, uh, which ends when uh, Jason Todd comes into the room. Now, Lady Shiva knocking out Jason Todd as he tries to intervene is an especially nice touch. Uh, but again, it's it's actually Gordon who defuses the situation. He forces Lady Shiva to leave at gunpoint. Cassandra stays behind, saying that this is her family now in the orphanage. You know, she doesn't care about her mother. This is her family now. So there's the heartstrings being pulled again. We're only eight pages in at this point. Like, I mean, you, you can just tell the sheer volume again of storytelling in this is just, it's just outstanding. Um... So Vandal Savage, he has his own plans with his cabal of villains, including Captain Cold, Creeper, Deathstroke, uh, Rose, who's Deathstroke's daughter, Solomon Grundy, Bane, and Cheetah. Uh, suffice to say, his plans are foiled by one of the traditional heroes from the DC Universe. Not in a very traditional way. I'm not going to tell you how his plan is scuppered, because again, <laughs> I don't want to ruin this book for too many people. But holy moly, the moment where his plan is scuppered, that's the moment I let out the audible fuck. It was just brilliant. Um, so as as this is all going kaput, Mirror Master helps the rest of the villains escape and they end up in the same orphanage in Bloodhaven with the rest of the characters. So there's an incredible two-page dialogue scene at this point between Gordon and Deathstroke over why Gordon should lead the group. Um, I mean, I'm just going to read out some of the sample dialogue between it because this is just fantastic. Um so they're basically saying why Gordon should be the leader. And, you know, you always think of Gotham as such a cesspit. So you do. And uh, Gordon's basically saying, like, there's there's no way that I can uh, run this whole place. But he says, uh, Deathstroke basically says to him, you know, you held the worst city in the country together by sheer force of will. You're telling me you think you're the only police commissioner in the world who didn't have dirty cops working for him? Because I got to tell you, a lot of your people were on my payroll. Um, because Gordon's basically saying, I can't lead people I don't trust. He can't lead the villains in this scenario. You know, you're being and your death stroke and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's... Uh, Gordon then addresses everybody. You know, he sort of says, look, I don't like this situation, but we'll make the best of it. Despite your crimes, you're all welcome here. So again, showing his humanity. Um, but he does lay down the groundwork of, but abuse this hospitality and you will be sent to fend for yourself outside the walls. Tonight we get you all set up. Tomorrow we'll introduce you to the kids. Um so there's this there's this great scene that follows that again and again. I'm not even halfway through the book at this point, but there's another gut wrenching scene where the villains. I mean, obviously the villains in this in this universe they have no moral compass. Uh, they're able to prove their worth to the group because in the orphanage they've actually locked one of the rooms, and in that room there's maybe fifty infected zombies, but it's like kids and you know women and nurses and doctors and all this kind of stuff. And Gordon, you know, being the beacon of morality he is 
he still sees hope there. He's like, look, you can't kill these people. Whereas the villains are very much like, look, these people are infected. They're a danger to us. We need to kill them. So they actually step in and clear the room, so to speak. After Gordon walks away, you know, he can't he can't see all this stuff happen. Um, so yeah, they they do all that. Then there's loads of fun scenes where the villains and the children meet, and then they actually start to learn to coexist. They take some unconventional classes. For example, uh, Creeper uh, took one of the best classes I thought, which is where he's teaching the kids witty things to say when beheading the undead. Um, there's a great scene where Bane is reading out a book to people and he's like, and that children is why humankind brought the fall of civilizations on themselves. And one of the kids goes, huh? And Bane says, are you not listening? I'm explaining how our excesses and complacency. And the kid goes, nope, sorry. I really can't hear you through that mask. You're just all muffled. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, they, they essentially all form a bond and they learn to care for each other. And, uh, and I'll just leave it there. That's about two-thirds of the way through the issue because again anyone who hasn't read this deserves to enjoy the surprises themselves um i mean i i love deceased i thought it was great but this this is a step up uh for me it again proves that tom taylor is one of the best comic writers out there and you know if you held a gun to my head i would say he's in the top three working today but just don't ask me who the other two are (laughs) who's alongside the other tom if you put a gun to my head i would say the my other two favorite writers working today are tom Keane and chip Zdarsky, personally um Good. although hickman's probably number four pushing at number three so uh yeah i mean i i mean you haven't finished orange run yet thor so i know i mean i'm getting there man i'm getting i've now i've now got the time i've now got the time but no honestly i can't recommend this book enough this uh the first issue i thought was pretty decent but this was incredible the the bond between the villains and the kids and you know obviously again this is a book where there's not a lot of hope in it so you know the situation's gonna you know go to shit so to speak but the villain starts you know standing up for the kids and protecting them and there's this bond that has been formed and just i I don't think there's anybody better than tom taylor at writing both horror and humor in the same book he just has such a deft touch at it uh and yeah i I have to say this this will be tough to top for one of the best issues of the year i have to say so um I mean, it's interesting because I mean, the reason that I sort of stepped off is that it didn't, it didn't feel like. Uh, I mean, it didn't say I don't, I didn't step off. I got, I, I read the full original series, and whenever the announcement for the, the sequel to the original series came out, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I picked it straight up. But it just this felt like a wee bit of a sideline. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, they they didn't even publicize this that much. Um... It seems to very closely follow the model that Green Lantern set out, where you had 12 issues of Grant Morrison Green Lantern with Liam Sharp as artist, and then you had this three-issue series called Black Stars that maybe people thought was like a fill-in series, and then Green Lantern came back proper with Volume 2. But yeah, I, I this, this is better than The First Deceased. It, it really is. And I mean, I'm saying that, and this is dealing with what I would probably label second-tier characters, compared to deceased which followed what happened to batman and superman and the joker and wonder woman and you know all these mainline characters and you can have a lot of fun with that when it's not in continuity but just the writing in this was just absolutely brilliant 
So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll look forward to getting a wee read. Yeah, I mean, the, my, my proudest moment right here is just as I talk about all this, Vicky just turned around and reached on to the bookcase and she just lifted out the graphic novel for Deceased. So, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm maybe not doing too badly here. I'll go on the pile. I've still got Harleen to finish. Yeah, finish Harleen, but no, Deceased is incredible. And yeah, Unkillable is just right up there. Um, even an in, even a, a guy with a cold indie heart like you, Roddy, I think would enjoy this. <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I, well, to be fair, I, I love Tom Taylor, so. <laughs> no, that's what I, I think. I think that's probably why I'm going to jump on because I do like all new Wolverine, um, and I I didn't realize that was him writing it when I first started on it, and then it wasn't until Alan was like, "You do realize that was Tom Taylor?" I was like, "No, I like it." Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, just what's great about Deceased in general is just see when you get these great series that are outside of continuity and you don't need to have read 50 other titles like leading up to it or read these linking titles or anything like that. That's why I love stuff like Deceased. I love stuff like Batman White Knight uh, and then Curse of the White Knight. Self-contained stuff like that. Not everything has to be, you know a seven-year run on Thor or a five-year run on Batman by Tom Keane or, you know, sometimes it's just a really great self-contained story with characters that you know about but you don't need to know every little detail about and I'm sure Marvel Zombies was the same. I've personally never read it. Um, I mean, I think you'd enjoy it. It's, uh, I think it's the same thing. It's the same, the same draw as you know it it doesn't matter because this is not your DC universe. This is not your Marvel universe. This is not, I mean, not that, that, you know, death necessarily means too much in comic books, of course, but you don't even have to, you don't even have to suspend your disbelief that it is because you know that, that your favorite hero is going to get the throat ripped out and is going to come back as a zombie. And you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a different sort of enjoyment. It's, you can really see your heroes go through the ringer. Like, yeah, it's, it's just fun as well, you know, and, yeah. but it's, but it's pure horror as well. That's, that's the reason it reminded me of the walking dead and, like even Commissioner Gordon, it really reminded me of Rick of being sort of that. He's just a man, but he's the leader. He's the man with the gravitas and the authority, and what people people respect his opinion, and they fall in line not because he's some guy who's par mad. It's just because like this is a guy who's dealt with crisis his whole career, and he knows how to handle these big heavy moments. So you know, let's let's follow what this guy says. So, um, yeah, I more than happy to throw the issues to you guys whenever but i i, I just can't recommend enough just brilliant brilliant stuff um Sweet. so yeah so that was my pick of the week which was deceased on killables number two so another dc title now i believe we're going to talk about for your pick vicky how can i pick a dc title when i didn't have any dc yeah worth a try <laughs> all right then well we'll sure speak to us about a marvel title then I couldn't pick a Marvel title this week. It is an indie heavy week. Go ahead. Tell us what your pick of the week is. It is an indie heavy week, but also this one is not only because the writer is normally a fantastic artist, but he's a fantastic writer as well. It is Middle West number 16, written by Scotty Young, and it is drawn by Jorge Corona, which... Obviously, people don't stay away from it because of the surname of our artist on this book, because yeah. of uh, the <laughs> temporary pandemic that we've got going on. But it's issue 16, and it's um, it's two issues away from being the end, which I felt no. we, we, we found out a couple of weeks ago. and um, Yeah, we're really not happy about it. Yeah, because no. it it's a fantastic book, and it's... There's a lot of heart in it, but it's a lot of fun as well. So um, when 
so I've opened up the book. You can see Abe is asleep. And what you think is 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 being woken up within sort of from his sleep. And you sort of go through the pages and you see it's the fox's tail. Um and then you but you also look at it, the fox, he's got glowing eyes. And so which you know there's something off, it's something a bit strange. And he's like, slow slow down, I'm gonna lose you. And then he's like it gets to the end of the page and he's like, Where are you? And the voice comes, I'm right here and it turns out to be his dad which obviously we all know is we don't know the full crux of the story but we know he's not a good guy to Abe and sort of he upsets Abe so Abe has now got this what was say it's the the wind or the weather demon but as he goes on his dad's like oh you're just like your your big man chip off the old block and he goes um which is obviously upsetting Abe and he start his dad starts getting angry and turning into the big Weber um demon and he's asking his dad to stop and then all of a sudden Abe's eyes start to glow as if to say that he's starting to sort of sort of turn into it as well. But lucky enough it's just a dream. But Bobby sees this and is like, Oh crap, need to wake him up and manages to sort of um, stir him and wake him up, and and sort of, sort of Bring talk him, him yeah, talk him down and and to calm calm the rest of the dorm room because obviously he's in a dorm with a good few others of his sort of the other kids that have been kidnapped off the streets. Yeah, I mean, what's great about this, I think, is that all the kids are there as a support group for Abel. You know, they they know that there's something inside of him. They know he has this power. It's not like they're all just afraid and run away. You know, they've they formed a real bond, which I think's great. Yeah. Um Junie's like, Oh, not this again and and sort of Bobby's like, Oh, just shut up, it's not the time. Like not now. So obviously Bobby's always been there. Bobby has seen what Abe can do, but is sort of trying to sort of keep him calm and trying to help him sort of get through the day. And which is what's nice is like they're obviously close but they 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 mates they look out for each other which is what you want and then um they sort of go on to talk about how today is a big day and it's sort of they're going through it and it's a skip day isn't it pardon this is a skip day yes excuse me um so obviously um they meet up with uh Mr Ryder which is obviously the man that owns all the farm and is sort of in charge of basically kidnapping them all and they're all like sort of mourning and they're all saying hi and then he tells them to sort of make sure that they keep the crew sort of motivated because it's as you can see in the in the pictures it's a pissy day like the weather is crap so um i know i need to win roddy you haven't read this issue have you you're on the trades Yes, I am caught up to issue 12 on the trade, the second trade, but um, no, work away because um, I'm really excited to pick it up. The, the amount of good stuff you guys tell me about, <laughs> I cannot wait to get it. Um, but no, don't worry about getting into it because I can just sort of zone out. 
with the utmost respect, <laughs> I will tune out for a little while. <laughs> but um, so he's obviously once he's told him, he tells him to get going and um to sort of get on with it, and then he asks Abe to stay back, and um, and he he sort of uh says that um that is how impressed he's been with how he's working and sort of sort of how he's leading the groups and stuff and he's saying how his um his daddy must have taught him well and that Ryder could see him giving him a permanent position sort of long term to sort of like uh, sort of run like get further up in the ranks and sort of become one of the guards most likely and sort of They're definitely definitely bonding aren't they but you yeah. know, it's almost like it's almost like Abe ends up, uh, Abel ends up attached. You know, whether it's his father who is abusive, and this is where the anger and the curse comes from. You know, through his grandfather, or whether it's this guy, you know, who's all about uh, exploiting kids. You know, he, he always ends up attached to the wrong role models or the wrong father figures. Yeah, I think he he attaches himself to like like authority figures almost. And sort of, he he sort of wants to. I don't know if he wants to please because obviously on the next page, um, he obviously is, he's not impressed. He's like that sounds like a nightmare, and stuff like that. So, um, and then you go through the next couple of pages or sort of panels, and it's um, sort of one. They tell one of the kids, "Go on, it's your time." So one of them runs off and says, oh, there's something wrong, there's something wrong to the guards. And they're like, oh, what is it? Don't, like, we're the bosses. What is it? And he's like, oh, it's Abe. So they realise as soon as they say Abe, they need to do something because obviously he's he's up with the big bosses now. And it just looks like Abe's just faking a fit just to, so um, is it, um, Junie, she she takes the guard out. She's obviously zapped him with something, just to get obviously his uniform and take control of the van. Which they're sort of going through it, and I sort of, we're getting through to the, sort of the middle of the book, and I don't really want to spoil it for anybody else that w- is jumping on as well as Roddy. But mm-hmm. sort of the way, sort of again to a tunnel. But I'm just gonna leave it there because the way the book ends is really good. And yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, and if you haven't jumped on by now, you're starting to leave it a wee bit late. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to get. Because I'm guessing that they'll probably wait. Because obviously it will be. Oh, well, the next trade would be six anyway, so it would certainly leave it up for sort of a good last final book for you to catch up on, Roddy and. And you'll uh awesome. So this this one was sixteen? Yeah, this is sixteen, so um So it's gonna end at eighteen. Cool. Yeah, which obviously it it's sad to see it end, but hopefully it'll end in a good way that will leave us satisfied and and not wanting more. And it's I mean, it's interesting because it's it, it is kinda it's it's kinda nice to know that a book is going to it has they have an end in sight there's an end plotted you know and it's not just going to keep going and going and going you know yeah, yeah for the sake there's, of it. there's something nice about that 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 scotty young has a story in mind 
and he's got and his he's act- telling that story and and if, if there's another story set in the same world after it great you know but anyway i don't want to talk about it because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing it's like obviously i know i bang on about it a lot it's like saga for instance obviously now knowing that brian k vaughan has said we're at the halfway mark and we've now got another 54 issues to come if and when that finally comes. Um, <laughs> Whatever comes out. Don't ever say that, Keith. Just don't put that out there because I, I, I don't think I could, could cope if it didn't come back. I, I think you guys know what it is and Roddy will know. Um, oh, you'll know soon. Yeah. Roddy will learn. <laughs> <laughs> How many issues have you got, Roddy? Three. I am going to finish it tonight. So... <laughs> Oh. oh, you're in trouble, sir. You are in trouble, but we're here. We're <laughs> here for see. you when you finish. I, I, I remember the day that I read that issue, but we won't go there. Yeah, it's it's already been really emotional. Not to go on a wild tangent, but it's a, it's a very emotional, complex, and beautiful book. It's one of the greatest things I've ever read, I think, to be honest, at this point. Yeah, so yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to see... That there's another second half. Can't wait to see where it goes. I yeah, I, I just love the message that I we got from Keith the other night. Um, it was from what Brona, because obviously Brona's has just started it. So, um, oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what was the message that you sent us, Keith, the other night? Uh, it was something along the lines of uh, two robots fucking, uh, and yeah, there's yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like two issues and there's two there's two TVs fucking and a. And a, and a unicorn girl has just appeared. This is interesting. <laughs> and it only gets better. <laughs> and weirder. All you need to say yeah. is giant. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah, cool. So that was Vicky's pick of the week then for the 18th of March. That was Middle West number 16. Middle West, just like something is killing the children, nearly every issue ends up on either our pick list or uh, honorable mentions. But yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously going to um, finish off at three trades. I get the feeling though, before too long there'll be a beautiful deluxe hardcover book because all the saga ones are 18 issues. Yeah. Uh, Deadly Class ones are 18 issues. So I'd say there'll be a, a rather beautiful book of that. And I would love to see that art blown up a little bit. So that will be definitely got that will put go on, on the, the shelf. List. Yeah, for sure. That will go on the list. So, so yeah. So that was pretty much all of our uh, picks of that week. Uh, obviously, based on our poll list, there were lots of other stuff that we were reading. Uh, so we'll just go through a few honourable mentions. Um, just going to kick off just with DC. Uh, the main one that stood out to me, and and to be honest, this was quite close to being my pick of the week. Uh, as well was the uh, one hundred page super spectacular Robin eightieth anniversary. So this is very much part of DC's current slate where they're doing all of these uh, super spectaculars highlighting uh, their rich history and highlighting characters that have been around for a long time. So uh, we've recently had, you know, Action and Detective 1000. We had Wonder Woman 750, Flash 750. And now we have these ones. You've got Robin 80th anniversary. Coming soon is Catwoman and Joker and Green Lantern. And I'm sure there'll be a few more announced, but... The Robin one always had my interest simply because Robin is obviously such a vital part of Batman's life, but also the fact that there's been a lot of different Robins throughout the 80 years. So, you know, you've got your Dick Grayson, you've got your Tim Drake, you've got your Jason Todd, uh, you've even got Stephanie Brown and uh, 
then of course you have the greatest of them all, Damien Wayne. Uh, <laughs> thought that'd get a laugh off, Keith. Um, look, I, I've said it before. Dick Grayson's a better character, but Damien's a better Robin. Um, in my opinion, in my opinion. But uh, I hear what you say. I hear what you say. But yeah, essentially, they what what was cool about this was they broke it down into ten short stories. Uh, you had four different stories focusing on Dick Grayson. You had a story focusing on Jason Todd. You had two stories focusing on Tim Drake. One focusing on Stephanie Brown, and then two focusing on Damien. Uh, the one thing I was surprised about that was that there was no Carrie Kelly story, but. I suppose with that, you're having to go into the future with an older Batman and all this kind of stuff, so maybe that's why. But uh, Would that also mean that Frank Miller would have to draw art inside? Uh, no, Frank Miller is not part of this in any way, so uh, don't worry. He did do a cover, which was awful. <laughs> Sorry to anybody that likes it. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the uh, the creative talent involved in this, I mean, you've got stories written by Marv Wolfman, who, of course, wrote Crisis and Infinite Earths. You've got Chuck Dixon in there, who created Bane. You've got... Uh, you have a great story by Tim Seeley and Tom Keane, who were the uh, the co-writers when Grayson, uh, when Dick Grayson became a, a spy in a series Most called Grayson. Yeah, I'm the same. I need to read it as well. I've only read the first six issues of it, but there, I, I, I do remember a story you told me of how you'd had your eye on the uh, the omnibus in store for a little while, and then when you'd finally decide you're going to buy it, someone had bought it that day. <laughs> yeah. Always yeah, the way. Yeah. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, you've got a, a Tim Drake story in here by James Tinian as well. Uh, you've got a great story, uh, which is the Super Sons, which is called My Best Friend, and it's by Tomasi, Peter J. Tomasi, with art by uh, George Jimenez. That focuses on Damien and Jonathan Kent's relationship. Uh, yeah, just a lot of fun to be had here. Um, there was even the great story. One of Tim Drake's great ones is about how... Uh, Tim Drake basically feels like he's the boring Robin out of them all, which is very much a, a big fan theory, uh, that he's almost a bit too much of a perfect character, so he's just a little dull. Um, but it goes into great emphasis. He, he basically teams up the whole way through the story with a different Robin each time, and then they explain to him why he's such a valuable part of the whole team. So, you know, he's fighting beside Dick Grayson, he's fighting beside Jason Todd, he's fighting beside Damien. Really, really cool story. Really dug that one. Uh, but the best story, and this is one you definitely would need to read, Keith, but the first one by Marv Wolfman, uh, which is called Dick Grayson in A Little Nudge. It's basically all about how hard Batman treats Dick Grayson and how much he talks down to him and how much he says, like, you're not good enough to be my partner and all this kind of stuff. But what the whole story essentially is, is Batman just basically trying to give Dick that nudge for him to stand up to Bruce and basically uh -huh. say, you know, I'm ready to be my own man. I'm ready to be Nightwing. I don't need to be under you anymore. And it's basically the whole point of the story is Bruce knows this and has known it for ages. And uh, he, he's just essentially given Dick this little nudge just to become his own man. Just a really great, just a little 10 page story, but really fantastic. Um, but yeah, just loads of good stuff in this. Uh, I would I would highly recommend it. I mean, um, some great artists in there as well. Um, and you know I love a good anthology, as do you, Roddy. So <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was the main one that stood out for me. Um, I know you had another one, Keith, which normally yeah, would be me. I, just, I felt it would be. It was more sort of taking pity on you. I thought it would be. <laughs> It'd be silly to let a week go by without mentioning uh, Batman. 
so Batman 91, uh, Tenny the Fourth, uh, and uh, Jimenez on, on art. So I just, I'm really loving this, this particular uh, storyline uh, with the designer. Um, I'm loving, I, I love, I think the, this is one of the nicest looking jokers I've ever seen. When I say nice, jokers <laughs> not nice, but you know what I mean? The, the art to look at is just fantastic in the way it's been written. Is uh, is just the, that sort of off center threatening, but is he joking? But is he not joking, Joker? You know, um, which is nice. There's a, a knockdown, drag out fight between Batman and uh, Deathstroke, which is uh, always a pleasure to watch. Um, Harley was not as annoying as she often is in this. <laughs> always um, a positive. Yeah, enjoyed her team up with uh, with Catwoman and some of the things she sort of. Said she was quite entertaining, actually. Um, I did uh, think that so in that issue they did balance the uh, the two artists really well. Um, so the issue, I believe, has George um, Jimenez and uh, Rafael Albuquerque, if I'm correct. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And yeah. Albuquerque, so he's he's one of my favorite artists. He he did American Vampire with uh, Scott Schneider, but Albuquerque handles the fight between. Um, Batman and Deathstroke, yes, and then Jimenez does, yeah. does yeah. the other stuff. Um, so I actually thought they balanced that well. Normally, I find multiple artists on a single issue jarring, but I thought they actually did it well here. Yeah, I have to say, I didn't even, I didn't even notice, didn't even notice. Which um, in itself shows that it was is, you know, is a good thing. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't was distracting. Story, you know, uh, I think the the concept and the the design, the design, the concept and the you know for this designer character is really cool. The way he looks models really really cool looking uh, that mask is pretty awesome and uh i thought just the conversation between uh the dialogue between catwoman and, and, and harley was kind of interesting you know just you know harley doesn't really have a clue about, about that woman she thinks she has psychic cat powers <laughs> all sorts of stuff so you know it's uh, and you know catwoman can't help herself but tell harley that she knows who bruce really is you know that's her who batman really is you know just to have something over her uh, but yeah, it's, it was a really nice issue. Um, I'm really, really enjoying uh, playing on, on Batman. I have to say, uh, I think every every issue uh, with with what he's doing and the character, you know. And, uh, not that he's not comfortable. Obviously, he wrote uh, Detective Comics and such for long enough, but and, and before that even. But uh, I just think that the arc's just it's a really interesting arc. Yeah, it's interesting with Tinian since he's come on board Batman because. Batman's always been a pretty big pull at, at our stores, certainly, but what I noticed, certainly from at least maybe issue 65 onwards, no one really jumped on Batman because it was seen as this one long epic, and the the pull lists now, we, we've, we've more people on Batman now than there's ever been in, in the history of the store, simply because once a new writer came on board, it was a jumping on point, and despite being issue 86... It was easy for people to jump on board and have a sort of fresh perspective on it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Batman is it's our second biggest pull for for DC, um, although it's soon to be our first because it's actually second, just the Curse of the White Knight, which oh. sadly we were supposed to get last week, the last issue, but yeah. uh, managed to avoid spoilers thankfully at this point. But uh, yeah. no, since since Tinian's come on, people have been really digging it. So it's uh, it's definitely a testament to to his writing. Um, now we just need to get more people onto his little indie title that we love so much. <laughs> that being? That being something that's killing our children. Keith's just happy he doesn't have the headphones on today. 
yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that was pretty much it when it comes to the the, the DC stuff uh, with Marvel. Certainly, um, I personally didn't have anything that massively stood out to me. I thought X Force was pretty solid. Uh, I thought that Guardians was okay, if a little strange yeah. in places. But mm-hmm. um, I know that Vicky, you're rather enjoying what Marvel are doing with the Star Wars Galaxy at the moment. Yeah, um, sort of. It, it's just nice to see a different side of Star Wars in like I've never read Star Wars in comic form, um, so this is something that's very new for me. Um, but this, I'm, this being issue four of the main run. Yeah, um, obviously, this and Darth Vader obviously um, after um, Empire. Empire, thank you. Um, so it, it's just nice to see what happens after Empire and sort of see where they go. And, and it was nice to sort of, in this issue, Leia obviously wanted to see how you can get out of the, um, is it the Cryonic Freeze? Is that? Oh, Carbonite. Yeah, she was frozen in Carbonite. Like, um, so. Yeah, she wanted to see how she could get out of it so um, she can get Han out of it, basically. So yeah. it was a really good issue. I, I just... Um, I've got uh, Stephen very kindly lent me issues one to four of Kylo Ren, so I've got them to catch up on. So, because um, he said he enjoyed it, and he said that I'm an- I missed out, so he was like, "You give us everything, so let me lend you these." And so, which was very kind of him. So I need to catch up on that, but I'm enjoying it. Like I said, the Bounty Hunter one um, was okay, but this one and. Darth Vader, I'm really, really digging. I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree, Vicky. It's, uh, you know, the you, you're you're saying that it's night. It, it, for me, this feels like just a continuation of Empire. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the what the what Charles Soul and uh, Hazel Sayers have done is is effectively capture capture the spirit of the the original trilogy and continue the story with characters that. We know, and we we know that that's exactly what we want to see. Definitely. <laughs> this is this this first four issues and the first three issues of Darth Vader, for me, are better than the last three movies combined. Um, <laughs> you know, they're they're just really, really, really great. Just the continuation, the logical continuation of that story. The, you know, the fact that they went back to Leia and Lando and Luke went back to the Cloud City, Lando's Cloud City. As you say, Leia was investigating the carbon freezing facility that that Vader imprisoned Han in, and ends up getting imprisoned in Carbonite herself. Uh, Lando's back to free his old friend Lobot, who is the 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 guy who had the you know the thing around his head that controlled a lot of the crowd city, the cyborg. Yeah. And uh, and Luke is he's searching for his lost lightsaber that he lost whenever Vader cut his hand off, uh, and that and it all just goes a bit pear shaped for them. Um, but yeah, fantastic, just brilliantly written. But what I liked at the end of the issue, um, Luke doesn't actually find his Skywalker, but he realizes that he doesn't need it. He he knows that he can get through the Force without that yeah. exact lightsaber, which is which is quite nice. I quite in, I quite like that. That he realizes of... it's a tool, and he reconnects with a Force that he lost that connection whenever he found out that his father was Vader. Yeah, yeah, which which is well, good. Which I really enjoyed. So yeah, agreed. I think that's funny that. Considering we spent, you know, a good year taking the piss out of Star Wars Corner in previews, uh, <laughs> and, and, and never looking at it, that we're now both addicted to, to Star Wars books. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what about Outlawed, Vicky? That was the the start of a 
miniseries. Yeah, Marvel well, I think I this was a one-shot. I think um, it was just sort of getting you up to date. But um, I read it and I felt very confused. It wasn't something I enjoyed. I wanted to put it out there because I think if you want to read it, I think you need to know what happens in like the likes of Champion. Because I read it because I, li- I like Nova and there's not been a new Nova book for a couple of years now. And I thought, oh, Happy Days is a bit of Nova. But I didn't understand how, where the characters were like leading things and who was with who and stuff like that. So I just felt a bit sort of jarred by it. And I think if right. you want to read it, I think you kind of need to sort of have read like the champions and um, right. and right. stuff like Marvelous that. Marvel and... Yeah, I just I just yeah. felt very sort of not connected like with some of them that you get like with, especially with like yeah. Guardians, you sort of know they're a group and that's it. Whereas with this one. You, you, if you don't read the likes of Champions and stuff like that, then you feel completely lost. At least that's what I felt. Um, I, I mean, I haven't read it, but from what I, the gist of it is that it's almost like a outlaw is always it's going to be like a almost a superhuman registration act for the younger superheroes. Yeah. Um, is that right? Yeah, um, they they sort of. Um, I think they had this. I think from what I can remember. Um, this was their last chance, and if they blew it, that was it. the The law was going to be passed, and and by I think, pretty sure by the end of the issue, they had messed it had messed up what they had to do, and um, they had to, like they were being basically arrested, right, like, and put into sort of this like area. I to be honest, that's how I'm. Re- rememberable it was for me that I read mm-hmm. it so, and I I just I just didn't enjoy it and I thought I would mention that other people might find it different but for me I didn't enjoy it yeah all right okay I must uh, must get a wee look but um I think there's a new warriors book spinning out of it a new new warriors book spinning out of it and I think it's I mean I read Miles Morales Spider-Man I know he's a member of the champion yeah um, but that's about that's about all I know on it there you are that well, how about a more positive note? Was there another one that you particularly enjoyed, Keith, Marvel-wise? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed Fantastic, Fantastic Four number twenty by Dan Slott, uh, Pagan Medina, and uh, Hayes Abertov uh, on colors. Um, so this is a, it's a standalone issue, standalone story. Um, an arc has just finished, um, which had the Fantastic Four uh, build. The Marvel Two modeled after the ship that they used on the the, the fateful mission that exposed them to the the cosmic rays years ago, and they traveled to what was supposed to be the original destination of the Marvel One, which was Planet Fire, and their time in Spire uh, unveiled several things. Reed discovered that the cosmic ray shielding that he had designed for the original mission actually was sufficient, and it was an attack by Spire's ruler that transformed them into the FF. And Reed has always blamed himself for that. Uh, you know, especially for, for Ben's transformation into the thing. Meanwhile, Johnny discovered that his longing to go to space as a, as a child was influenced by his cosmic connection to Sky, who was one of Spire's superheroes. And according to Spire's belief system, Johnny and her are now soulmates, which is interesting because Johnny's always a free woman, philandering, looking for love type, you know. Uh, so Sky had no intention of giving up on true love, so she's traveled back to Earth with him before. So this is a one-shot there right back on Earth. Uh, the kids... Franklin and Valeria have been having parties. Reed realizes this because the house has been cleaned to a molecular level. <laughs> you know, 
and they're like, oh, well, why would you have cleaned the house like that? And, you know, you haven't done something. So, uh, oh, you know, I've done that many times. Yeah, of course, yeah, you clean the house to the regular level. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. My, my house is kind of like that after after two weeks of staying on it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit about uh, Johnny's and just guys' discomfort as they come back to earth and get back into Johnny's life. And then there's a there's a story where uh, Johnny's best buddy, Wyatt Winkfoot, who's a sometime member of the DFF, the uh, there's been a story on going out in Arizona. He's a, he's the, the chief of a, of a Native American tribe, and that tribe has taken on Moloids, who are normally, you know, normally subjects of the Moman, and uh, they have been accepted into the tribe, and the understanding that, you know, they have lived under the land as long as that tribe have lived on the land sort of thing. So they're part of the same tribe. And then the mole man appears with a couple of, of uh, big Tyrannosaurus Rex from underground and tries to get them back. And it's a whole thing. Uh, so it is. So it's it's a bit of, a bit of action, a bit of, a bit of uh, tease, a bit of family. Uh, it's just, it's it's very, very good stuff. So it just, it just felt like, like real classic Fantastic Four. And then, you know, the family thing at the end, you know, with, with, with the four sitting down along with Ben's wife, Alicia, and uh, Johnny's soulmate, Sky, and, uh, you know, uh, Johnny and Ben have a bit of a bit of a conversation. Ben has got this uh, this bottle of bubbly that he's been holding on to for, for years and years. He says, he says 15 years or so, which is kind of interesting. He's been holding on to it since since the original rocket flight. So what they're suggesting here is this original rocket flight was 15 years ago. We know it was considerably longer than that, but uh, he was going to use it to christen the Marvel one, but he never got the chance. So, so he opens it with Reed just to say, listen, man, you know, we're best friends. You know, I always blamed you. I always held this anger for what you changed me into, but now I know that it wasn't you, uh, you know, so let's just celebrate to the biggest brain, truest heart, best friend that I've ever known. Salut, you know, and Reed's a lot more reserved and he says, and to you, old friend, but, you know, in the back of his mind, he's going, but you're so very wrong. You know, you may have forgiven me, Ben, but I will never forgive myself. I keep, I keep sending all of us, my family out there into God knows what. Well, no more. And from now on, I will be prepared for every eventuality for my wife, my children, you and Johnny. I swear I'll keep you safe no matter what it takes. So that is the, the end, I think, of the Fantastic Four. It's going to be put on pause because the next issue is going to be going into Empire, which is, as you know, the, what was going to be, what is going to be the big Marvel crossover this year, but uh, who knows when we're going to see it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so classic, classic Fantastic Four there, but uh, uh, hopefully stays on it for a long time. He's doing a very good job. Nice. So like Marvel's first family and, uh, you know, the, the Imaginauts that they are, you know, so very cool. Cool. So that's just uh, a few Marvel honourable mentions there. Uh, so we'll jump on the indie. Obviously, indie was a much sort of richer ground for uh, all of us with this uh, release week. So there's there's quite a bit to uh, to certainly go through. Um, one I wanted to throw a quick uh, shout out for was X-Ray Robot number one. Uh, this is a new Dark Horse series. I believe it's just going to be four issues. Uh, now, the reason I jumped on this is because it comes from the Alreds, uh, Michael and Laura Alred. Um, people will have no doubt heard me chat on this podcast before about uh, the Silver Surfer run that they worked on along with uh, Dan Slott and that run is just absolutely incredible it's just pure joy and discovery and you know there's 
it they're not really comics concerned with having malicious intent or showing a mirror to the world or anything like that they're just about pure escapism and pure joy and x-ray robot to me is very much in that sort of uh, ilk it uh, essentially comes down to it is about a couple of scientists who are working on a robotics experiment uh, but in true sort of you know comic booky slash it reminded me a little bit of something like the twilight zone uh, sort of form the experiment goes a bit wrong and the main scientist keeps getting sort of pushed through time and into different dimensions and into uh, variations on his uh like his home life, for example, you know, he, he he slips from one dimension to another where in one dimension, everything's fine. He's with his wife and two kids. But in the next dimension, his sleazy boss is having an affair with his wife and, and all this kind of stuff. But it's just really trippy and really, um, really heavy on the sci-fi. Uh, reminded me a little bit of something like Silver Surfer Black in terms of its trippy art style. Uh, and then, of course, it ends with this big uh, proclamation where the uh, the scientist's mind has ended up inside the uh, the body of this robot who is 277 years old and his uh, warning about the incoming threat, uh, which is uh, going to end the world. So it's uh, just a really fun comic laid back. It won't make you think about what's going on in the world right now. Uh, just a pure sort of joyful comic that I know you read as well, Vicky. Yeah, it was... Like you say, it was just a bit of fun. I like um, Michael Allred for a different um, series. It was um, Madman. Madman and the Atomics and It Girl, wasn't it? Yeah, so that I think It Girl and the Atomics was probably the first sort of comic that I got into. Was my was probably my first comic um, when Alan and I first started going out all those years ago. Um, so sort of. Anything that he does, I just like his art style. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit quirky, bit, bit sort of. You don't see it a lot anymore. No, it's very, very retro almost in yeah. style. It's you know, it's got that sort of sixties vibe to it as well. So, so um, yeah. So I, I probably enjoyed it. It's like Alan says, you just you don't think about what's going on around you. So I look forward to issue two when it comes out. Uh, yeah, so that's X-Ray Robot number one. Um, I feel like uh, Roddy might be asleep at this point because it's been that long since he talked. So uh, I'm going to get him to what, introduce... What, the... what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get him to introduce the next title, uh, which is something that we all read. Oh, did you see what I did there? I moved I from... see what you did. Oh, what you did. that was seamless. I went from um... the all reds to something we all read. Oh dear. So this could possibly be anything, and we haven't really worked this out, Alan, but I'm going to pick another Dark Horse title. Am I on the right track? Well, you, we are, indeed, yes. you, you, yes. are, you are according to our, our pre-done notes for the podcast, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so this one is called Starship Down. Uh, it's the first in a miniseries, I believe, by Justin Giampaoli, Andrea Muti, who I'm a big fan of, and then Vladimir Popov and Sal Cipriano. Um, this one, it's very, I don't want to say basic, because that would be doing it a disservice, but the whole crux of the, the issue is there is a starship, basically, and they have discovered a starship in frozen Siberia and a sort of archaeologist goes to investigate it and then 
we are sort of introduced to the sort of political push and pull that comes with it. Obviously, Siberia is in the middle of Russia, then we have American involvement, but we also have a religious aspect to it, which I find quite interesting. Um, yeah, got some serious thing vibes, which is always a good shout. Um, I adore Andrea Muti's art and Vladimir Popov's colors just make it so good. Um, didn't think a lot, I wouldn't say a lot happened in it, but it's certainly with the ending, which I won't spoil for anyone, certainly just took my interest up a complete another notch. Just really really interesting sort of debut um looking forward to seeing where it goes but yeah serious like anything that sort of reminds you of like the thing and sort of classic classic horror like that it's all good in my book yeah i mean oh yeah i i agree with you Roddy. i mean i, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it but it, it the first issue was all set up it was all here are the characters here are the players here's your point of view character here's the concept uh, ish sort of thing. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess what we're looking at is is something here is happening that is totally re reimagining what you know uh, human history and human evolution and human uh, the evolution of society. You know, and I love that. I love the inclusion of of the religious aspect. You know, the 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 sub cardinal, the cardinal, whatever he is, and uh, you know, he him coming out and him just being so. So I live, and uh, <laughs> you know the whole thing, uh, and just uh, and I love the way she tackles it. You know, um, you know, at one point the the religious guy says, "I've read your work, Doctor Young. You seem to think religion is some sort of linguistic virus. Your conclusions don't count for belief." And she goes, "Show me peer-reviewed proof, and I'll believe." <laughs> so so I'm, I'm down with her right there, you know. But but uh, you know, the, I just. It, it, it just felt a wee bit X-Files-ish as well, you know, the, the first two or three scenes of X-Files were, you know, I just wanted to put in there at the end and uh, <laughs> it's coming next, you know. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. A, a nice a nice finish to that book as well. Um, um, I was going to say, it certainly, it certainly, there was a, with those kind of stories, there's a lot of intrigue at the start and a lot of mystery. And I think the book sort of lacked that mystery but certainly it had it gained other things instead of the mystery it certainly it decided to go in a different direction which is cool you know but i think that sort of discovery of what it was was lost you know you didn't really spend enough time with the main character you were sort of put in a different perspective for her you know so yeah, yeah. but like a really really decent book what did you guys think ellen and vicky I enjoyed it. Um, like you say, it's it's a lot of build up to lead up to what it actually is. Did we find out? Is it four or six issues? I think it's four issues. Just so I've got a lot to do in four issues then. Yeah. So, um, which I suppose that's probably why it was not a dull issue, but um, sort of a lot of groundwork being sort of set up for it. So, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, I mean, anything that, again, just to jump on the points you guys already talked about, but anything that evokes the sort of spirit of John Carpenter's The Thing will always be all right in my book. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree. I think it was it's the very definition of a slow burn. 
Uh, not an awful lot happened in it. And I know this was a book that we were all looking forward to. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say an awful lot happened to it in terms of if you'd have read the blurb for the book, you would have almost read the book, if that makes sense. It, it didn't really give you a yeah. ton of new information. Uh, but yeah, the art style is very cool and uh, definitely going to stick with it because, yeah, I thought the the mood and atmosphere of it was, was pretty pretty sweet, to be honest. So, um, so yeah, uh, Starship Down, number one. How about a wee image title for you, Keith? Certainly want to know you, yeah. Dig. Hey, uh, going from a, a book, a, a mystery book, you know, with intrigue to a book that shows you everything, but also with intrigue is uh, Die, 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 Robert Kirkman and uh, Chris Burnham's book is uh, is back. Um, the, the little title that, uh, that Image launched sort of at random last year um, is uh, is back with issue number nine. Um, it, it says on the front cover, look out, the craziest book to ever crazy returns, blame Skybound. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're reintroduced to... Uh, uh, to the to, to the characters and, and I mean die 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 you've read it Alan I don't know who else is reading it Vicky Roddy no I'm not reading it yeah if you enjoy no, like I'm Stephen not. if you enjoy like Stephen Seagal movies of the late eighties or early nineties this is pretty much a love letter to those yeah, kind of yeah. those kind of books and I'm, and Van Damme John Clint Van Damme fan. Oh, well, well, you'll find that here as well. I mean, Van, da- Van Damme was great and still is great in fairness, but Van Damme only ever dealt with twins. This book deals with triplets. What more do you need, Roddy? Quadruplets. Quadruplets, sorry. Jeez. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's just it's just like the craziest, stupidest, weirdest, over-the-top action movie of the late 80s, early 90s. That's what it reminds me of anyway. So yeah, we've got uh, we start off with uh, with Barnaby who was uh, fighting over control of the uh, of the, the the internal group of the the U.S. government, uh, former senators, uh, and he's uh, he's apparently in uh, I think Russia, and uh, he's uh, trying to get uh, trying to get some uh, some revenge. Uh, we're reintroduced to Nathan and John, one of the uh, surviving quadruplets, all massive hand to hand combat experts. Uh, and they're uh, they're out uh, on a on a mission for Connie. Connie is the other senator, Connie Lipschitz, who has taken over the uh, the this this uh, inner government. Uh, and uh, John, he's a he's a pacifist, so he's really really good at hand to hand to hand combat, but he refuses to take life. So uh, Nathan's trying to get him to you know uncover his killer instinct. Uh, he doesn't quite succeed. Um, you know. Meanwhile, um, Jennifer, who is the uh, the girlfriend of uh, Paul, one of the other quadruplets. Uh, she's uh, she's auditioning to 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 join the same uh, paramilitary group as uh, as uh, as John and Nathan are members of. There's a, there's just a whole lot going on. Uh, we see Connie, you know, is is taking over this group, and you know, this, this what do they call it? Like a deep a deep government, you know, that uh, has all these ideas for how to to save the world and save humanity from itself so we're just reintroduced to the to, to what's going on here um the the central conceit is these these four brothers these quadruplets uh john paul george and ringo um who uh you know variously have been killed and resurrected and not killed and it's just it's just it's absolutely balls out action as you say it's just a, an 80s an 80s action movie with you know just <laughs> just read it it's fantastic <laughs> First trade is available at uh, Casa de Alan and Vicky. So if uh, you do want to read it, Roddy, we do have it here. And, uh, <laughs> awesome. It's it's very similar. It's got that that similar. Th- in fact, this is where it came from. 
this is where this something is killing the children thing came from initially because you know we start off with uh with uh a wee bit of a rundown on what's happened in the book you know so what the hell is this book about i mean anyway chances are you've been away uh, it's been at least a few months since you read our last installment that's a lot of other comics plus various streaming services pumping content into your head it's easy to lose track hell sometimes we lose track there's a secret cabal of senators within the U.S. government who secretly influence world events in various, various, and secret. It's all so secret. Sometimes these senators do not get along. Senator Connie Lipschitz and Senator Barnaby Smith had a violent disagreement which grew into a violent purse struggle within the cabal. Barnaby sent a rogue agent to kill his identical brother Paul and replace him with Connie's agent. Uh, this was all part of Barnaby's plan to prove that the cabal couldn't function as equals and that he needed to be faced with the secret organization. Resulting in Connie actually being placed as the head of the cabal, and Barnaby's nose being cut off. Barney would be running, Barnaby would be running the secret prison right now if he hadn't been extracted and smuggled into Russia. So now Connie Lipschitz is running the show, directing the cabal as it endeavors to shape the events of the world for the betterment of mankind. She enjoys very much, so things are looking up for her. Oh, and did we mention that Paul didn't actually die, die, die? <laughs> so you get that, you know, that introduction, and then you get the, the title page. Uh, which is just you know a spread of the the logo with whatever background image, but it's it's just it's really good stuff, really good stuff. Lovely. So that's a nice image book there. Die die die. Number nine. Uh, next up on our list is one that uh, Keith has put down. Now we're going to have to ask you to keep spoilers to an absolute minimum because in a desperate attempt for Vicky and I to cling to the fact that we have new releases to look forward to, this is the only issue I have not read from my from my pile. Me too. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I, I'm really saving this. You know, it, it's it's almost behind a, a sheet of glass with in case of emergency break glass written on it. So, uh, <laughs> so please zero spoilers. Okay, we can we can do that easily. Roddy, you've read this one, have you? Uh, what is it? Uh, Undiscovered Country number five. Oh, I have. Um, yeah, it it was up there, but uh, yeah, no spoilers. No. I mean, all I can say, all I can say is that the the format of the book continues to follow the, the sort of format that it has had, where we continue to follow the core story. Uh, our group that have gone beyond the wall into America, we've discovered more and more strange things from the mind of Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, and uh, you know, beautifully, beautifully drawn by Giuseppe Carmencoli and Leonardo Mocello Grassi. But you know, we 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 follow the core story. And then the background story, you know, all the way through, there's been a background story as well for one of the characters. Um, this would be the background story for uh, Colonel Pavel Bukowski, who, as you know, was the was the pilot and the, the man who recruited the entire group to go into America. So um, uh, at last, at last accounting uh, in the in the main story, Pavel wasn't in a very good place. And in the uh, in the background story, uh, we find out how he uh, he came to be involved with this mission in the first place. So, uh, yeah. with the usual the usual back matter that we've uh, we've come to love. Um, yeah, back matter in this one was very illuminating. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, very much. So. Uh, so yeah, that's all we'll say. Nice. Uh, it just gives that us nice. it just gives us a wee <laughs> issue to look forward to. Uh, it literally is the only thing I have not read from from that pile. Um, the next one you can talk about to your heart's content, Keith, because we haven't even watched the show. 
Oh, that will um, change during this lockdown, I assure you. Yeah, and and I think once you watch the show, I think uh, the Firefly comic from Boom Studios, um, uh, written by Greg Pak from issue from the start and uh, illustrated by Lalit Kumar Sharma and uh, colors by Francesco Segala. So on issue 15 of, uh, of the Firefly comic, um, this has really, really found its pace now. It's really found its... It's niche and what it's doing, it's doing something that, that nothing else really has done is really continuing the Firefly story from the series. Um, so yeah, it's just that you know what the, the 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 voices of the characters are are right and they're not just you know, they're not just retelling the same old stories. The the story has moved on, the characters have moved on. Uh, it's set between Firefly and the movie Serenity. Um, and this is uh, sort of chapter three of the, I think it's the third arc. Um, and uh, Mal, who is traditionally the captain of Serenity and the lead character, he's become the new sheriff in a particular area of the verse, which is completely the opposite of, of what Mal does at any other time. But he's found himself as a newly assigned sheriff of the entire Georgia space sector, uh, alongside his partner and sort of frenemy, Boss Moon. And when he's fulfilling his it is a sheriff. Mal has been colluding with the new Chang Benetta's gang, which includes Keely Fry and Jane Cobb, who are former crew members. Uh, and they're trying to get enough platinum to disappear with the rest of the crew. But then a body shows up, and Mal and Boss Moon get really invested in it. So Mal actually does start sheriffing for real. And uh, it all just sort of it takes a turn, you know, as the, the, the crew are all pulling in different directions, doing different things. and uh it's it's a very very good book very good continuation of, of the characters and the voices and the story of Firefly. so once you watch have we lost keith again hello he's still there okay <laughs> just just towards the end of that you just drifted off a wee tiny bit um yeah cool so that okay. is firefly number 15 uh, and then I think uh, the next one up is a book that we're all reading as well. We're going back to Dark Horse again. Why don't you lead the intro on this one, Vicky? One sec. Oh, and she's about to sneeze just as I say that. So the book is Bang Number Two, uh, written by Matt Kint, art by Wilfredo Torres. Uh, on the front cover of Bang Number One, which was one of our picks of the week, I seem to remember, you had a quote from Keanu Reeves, the king of cool. There is a quote in this one from Brian Michael Bendis. It's still pretty cool. It's yeah. still pretty cool. It's okay. I didn't sneeze. We're, it was a false alarm. So it's... um. Are we swearing or no? Well, you've swore about seven or eight times so far. Did so, I? Yeah. No, I think you had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this comic. It's, li it's literally everything I want out of one of my favourite creators. Dot, dot, dot. This is how you make comics. And that's Brian. I should say that's the Brian Michael Bendis quote, not Vicky's review. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of novels within a comic book. And speaking of love letters to 80s action cinema. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, I, I just found it quite fun and sort of. It's relatively straightforward in comparison to the issue one of Bang, I think. I mean, think towards the end, you de it definitely takes a bit more of a. A little bit more of an almost sci-fi type tinge, but for eighty-five to ninety percent of it, it's pretty much die hard on a train. Yeah, it was which, good fun, which is not a bad thing. No, 
There's guns. There's action. There's people being blown up, which is if that's violent, is that more violent for you that, that than you would like, Keith? Because you were saying your comic earlier wasn't violent enough, but this. Um, <laughs> I would say. I mean, I would say you'd have you'd have. Str- I read the first issue of Bang and really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the second one. Kind of, it got kind of trippy there towards the end. Um, that was the the James Bond kind of one, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was indeed. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. it got kind of trippy towards the end of, of issue one. So I'm looking forward to having a look at issue two. But I, I don't think it comes close to die, die, die for violence. <laughs> no, but just wait till you read deceased unkillables, and then you'll you'll know violence. <laughs> I, I can see that we're going to be doing care packages for both of them, having ready on the table for when. Uh, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Um, yeah, I mean, bang as well. Just as as Roddy was alluding to there quickly. Um, I mean, with bang, you always get. Uh, novel excerpts with it as well usually at the front and the back of the book as well so you get tremendous um, tremendous value with Bang and really great world building as well which I really really dig yeah it seems to be seems to be it certainly had that at the at the, in the first issue anyway yes there's one I think there's one at the front in this a John John Shaw novel can't remember the name of the fake writer in it it'll come it'll probably come to me later but yeah, I thought this one was fantastic. Um, like you said, very straightforward, but it gets towards the end. Even the um, the colors by Naeung Kim just get like crazier and crazier and more trippy and psychedelic towards the end. And yeah, this is, I even love the covers as well. They're so interesting. Like the, what was the first one? He's sort of... Um, He's sort of playing with his cufflinks with um, a bloodstained shirt you can see, and then in the second issue's cover, it's he's sort of running, and there's like bullets, bullets and broken glass and blood across the floor. It's really cool, really novel idea. Yeah, it just really evokes the spirit of Die Hard. I have to say, you know, the sort of hero running around with no socks or shoes on, you know, the bullets everywhere. Uh, I mean, this series does seem to be a bit of a love letter to just action movies in general but yeah definitely there's a bit of a a sci-fi trippy twist to it as well yeah action movies and westerns and comics that's it's awesome what it well but uh what a a time to be reading comics but maybe (laughs) maybe not it's still a wonderful time to read comics. We just won't get any new ones for a while, but uh, we can share the old ones. We can share the old ones, but um, yeah, I mean the the last sort of thing I wanted to throw a bit of uh, love towards was um, it's actually a completely new comic label uh, called AWA. Uh, so AWA Studios it, it stands for Artists, Writers, and Artisans. And it's a new comic book publisher. It's actually founded by a couple of people you might recognize, Keith. Uh, Axel Alonso, who, yeah, yeah he was uh, editor-in-chief at Marvel from 2011 yeah. to November 2017. Uh, you've also got uh, another co-founder called uh, Bill Jemis, who was a former yeah. vice president of Marvel. Yeah. And then you also have Jonathan Perkins Miller as, the, as another senior council member. He's more well-known for uh, Wikia. Um, so yeah, the, what they did was they, they essentially set up their own comic label and then they've tried to recruit talent and the talent that they create, uh, that they've brought to the label, they now, uh, call their creative council. So it's, it's obviously 
These are creators that have been brought in first to provide the first wave of titles, but then this creative council is going to be in charge of um, attracting new talent. Now, the creative council is is full of names we'll all recognize as comic readers. You've got J. Michael Straczynski, you've got Garth Ennis on there, you've got Frank Chu in there, uh, Greg Hurwitz as well, Reginald Hudlin. Um, and what's really cool is that this week, or well, I say this week, the 18th essentially had the release of four brand new number ones from AWA. And they're all part of a shared universe, a shared independent universe, but they're all very, very different genres as well. Uh, the reason I was brought to AWA ahead of, uh, out of the four titles was one called Hotel, but Hotel is spelt with two L's. Um, and on the front cover, uh, the O and the T is marked out from the neon sign so that it spells out hell. But the reason I was drawn to this is because it's written by John Lees, who, as as you well know, I mean, it's a series called Sync that I love. He's a Scottish writer. Uh, and Hotel is basically going to be a four-issue miniseries that is all to do with, like, those... It's it, it's essentially a horror tale based around the idea of, you know, that last seedy-looking motel at the end of the road, at the end of a long drive that you promised yourself you wouldn't stay at because it's seedy and you just know that bad things happen there. Um, it's based on that, and the main character you follow in the first story is uh, a pregnant woman who's running away from an abusive boyfriend, and she essentially says she's just going to stay in the hotel for one night, and then weird, trippy stuff happens. Uh I was actually chatting on Twitter with John Lees about it. Um, he's he's a really responsive guy, and uh, I said to him, I I felt it was a mix between Rosemary's Baby and Psycho, and he said he's never been prouder uh, of that comment. So uh, I think he was happy enough with that. Uh, but yeah, a Hotel was great. But then because of that, I thought I'll give all the other number ones a go. Uh, you had one called Archangel Eight, which is written by Michael Marecki. Uh, with art by C.P. Smith. Uh, so this one is, uh, the blurb for it is, in a world beyond the sight of mortals, heaven and hell wage war for the souls of mankind. Principal among God's legions are seven arch- archangels written about in religious texts for millennia, but there is an eighth archangel known only from passing illusions uh, who operates under a different code. The archangel in this is number eight. He's clearly based on Frank Castle. Um, if you yeah. If you like Punisher... You will love this book. Like even at the back, the back of all these books basically have a little, um, almost like a little essay at the back where the creators talk about how Axel Alonso got in touch with them and what they wanted to bring to the table. And the writer of this, Michael Morecci, he essentially says like he is massively influenced by Garth Ennis's run on Punisher. And that's what has highly influenced this book. So it's overly violent. I mean, if you even look at the cover, I'm just showing the Vicky. There's a... If, there's two massive angel wings coming out the back of this main character who stands in the middle. The character just looks like Frank Castle. Yeah, that's going on my pile. Yeah, I thought it might. Uh, um, you know what's really interesting? There was a, I don't know if you're aware, but there was a period of time where Frank Castle was an angel. Uh, he, he was an angel and, a, and a, an angelic version of Punisher. Oh, yeah? Uh, and uh, I think it was, what was it? It was Punisher Purgatory mm-hmm. uh, by Christopher Golden. Uh, back in the day, it was part of the Marvel Knights imprint. Oh, okay. Frank had committed suicide, and uh, he ends up becoming a becoming a, a guardian angel, effectively, like violent ways. Like it's uh, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I definitely think you you dig this one, Arch- Archangel. I I thought it was one of the 
I didn't think didn't think it was the best out of the four because a hotel really really held my attention, but uh, it was a really solid first issue. Then you had another series called Red Border, which is written by Jason Starr with art by Will Conrad. This was an interesting book. This is uh, again going back to the whole idea of efficiency of storytelling. Uh, this book it kicks off with uh, in Mexico, where. Uh, Six friends are sitting around uh, having a dinner party, essentially, and just making general conversation, a few jokes here and there, blah, blah, blah. And then one of them mentions about how she had to do jury duty and basically convict uh, like a drug kingpin. And then suddenly there's a knock at the door and uh, soldiers who uh, from that drug kingpin have essentially come to the house just to mow them all down. But then two of them get away. And they're trying to get across the border from Mexico into America. You've got lots of stuff in there with the the drug kingpin himself. But the whole basis of this story, um, they essentially make it to the border. And there's this weird guy who's going to help them across the border. And the whole crux of the story seems to be like, what's worse? The, the, uh, the cartel that's chasing them or the place they're about to go with this weird guy? Um it looks really, really interesting for the second issue, you know, because the guy who's going to help me get across the borders, like, you know, around these parts, we always welcome an opportunity to show our southern friends some American hospitality. Trust yeah. me, folks, y'all gonna love my family. Uh, so this is this seems to be going into sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre type uh, territory. Right. Uh, right. So I thought that was really great. Um, but the one I'll leave to last is the one that I think certainly will appeal to uh, both Keith and Roddy the most. Uh, this is a title. This actually had a few pre-orders as well in the store. Uh, this one's called The Resistance. And this is written by Babylon 5 alumni, Silver Surfer Requiem alumni, Rising Stars writer J. Michael Straczynski, uh, and also art by another Marvel favorite, Mike Diodato Jr. Right. Wow. Uh, now, Resistance is, is a strange one. Uh, I was chatting to you guys just before we started the podcast and like the first page is essentially a shot of the world from space and it says no one knew why it happened but everyone had theories the pandemic was a deliberate act of bioterror just just hitting a bit too close to home a little bit i have to say mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah the sort of idea behind it is like there's a global disaster that leaves hundreds of millions dead uh and then shortly after a few thousand suddenly manifest superhuman powers you know, are they harbingers of more perils to come or are they Earth's last hope? So um, Straczynski very much still taking place in the superhero universe, but also lots of real world stuff in here. Uh, a lot of stuff about um, how different world leaders handle these kind of emergencies and so forth. There's there's quite a hard scene in it where a, a guy who's a general makes a call to his wife, um, you know, basically telling her he loves her because he's about to press the button and destroy the whole part where his family lives because the virus is going to spread. Uh, really, really solid book as well. It's it's going to be six issues. I think the other titles I mentioned are either going to be four or five. So this is definitely the one with sort of the most scope. But uh, yeah, I just I find it really interesting. This is all sort of set in the same universe, but at different times, but fall under different genres and stuff as well. So Really, really interesting imprint. Really solid talent behind it. Uh, I think when we hopefully get to the point where we can reopen the store again, uh, I think I'll be pushing this on a few people because there's some really cracking stories starting there, um, which I, I think don't they, people like. Don't they have like a 
a Walking Dead type one that we're all interested in? Well, this is it. I mean, you you guys are, I think, both down for called Zero Year, and it's written by Benjamin Percy, who, of course, is doing great work on uh, X-Force and Wolverine. So yep. um, it's going to be a four-issue one. And again, to me, that's going to be... Like they, there was talking it about zombies and end of the world apocalypse and stuff like that. So I wonder if that's going to really closely tie into the resistance, uh, mm. with all the end of the world stuff happening in it. So, so yeah, it's interesting. So I, I didn't really know a lot about this imprint. I just, as I say, I, I really like the writer John Lee. So I discovered it that way. And then maybe for you guys, your way into it was going to be through um, Zero Year the the benjamin percy one and stuff so but yeah really interesting imprint as i say and, and some great talent behind it so i'll be i'll be keeping a close eye on the stuff they've got coming out um, cool so so yeah so that was just uh all the number ones from awa uh i mean that's gonna do it certainly for me how about you guys anything else you'd like to throw in there no that's yeah, me i'm i'm done Roddy, I think you've Roddy, this is definitely the quietest you've ever been. You think so? I think so, yeah. I think you're just no. I think you're just maybe slightly huffing because you couldn't get any of Vicky's gorgeous cooking. You know? I know. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> we'll get back to there. We'll get back there soon. Very much so. Very much so. No, um, um, no we didn't have anything else. I know. Cool. Well, uh yeah, I mean we we would normally sort of finish off this uh sort of this section of the podcast would be what are we looking forward to next new release day but i'll maybe stay away from that and i'll maybe just throw in a slightly different thing at the end and just sort of say like are there things that are on your pile you'd you'd mentioned lazarus certainly keith are there things that are on your pile that are next in your read pile that uh you're looking forward to i'll go first for me i really want to read deceased again after you know just enjoying unkillable so much uh, i'm going to continue with the jason iron thor stuff and then I think I'm going to re-jump into that Silver Surfer omnibus as well. I think you've, you've got Conan beside the bed I as well. I do have actually. Conan. I do have Roddy's copies of Conan that he very genu- generously lent me. So I will get into that as well. How about yeah. you? Um, I've got... I know I've got... You're going to not like this, but I've actually taken number one of um, Thor. Is it? There's four issues. What's it? Um, you've got Tony Cates' Thor run yeah, that you're I've, catching up on. Yeah, so I, I've taken number one back out of the pile out of the box upstairs and i'm going to read all four issues um i've got um obviously kylo ren and then i've got um black widow graphic that alan gave me earlier oh, such a read. um and then i also um before we left the store i took i i nabbed off the shelf before we left um jessica jones Part one and two. Uh, the two, the first two volumes of Alias, the Bram Michael Bendis stuff. Because um, I want to sort of learn a bit more about the character and sort of read something other than the usual stuff that we normally sit and read. So I thought, give that a go once um, I actually get sitting down and actually reading. So that's cool. probably my... Cool, cool. How about yourself, Keith? What are you going to be digging into? Well, as I say, I've got those two uh, two Lazarus hardbacks, which take us right up to uh, so volume two and volume three, which take me right up to um, the where where Lazarus the the single issue stopped and they started the the quarterly uh, issues that are that are now ongoing. So I'm just I'm really rereading it um, just for the sake of completeness. Um, I think I will um, nab those off you at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Martin's in the process of, of nabbing at the moment. Um, he's just finished one. Second in um, line. I, I can deal with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've got 
a whole lot of the older Marvel essential paperback black and white reprints of Spider-Man, X-Men, uh, Ant-Man, Captain America, Iron Man off my shelves. So I'll maybe dive into those. And um, I've got the entire Walking Dead that I think I might, uh, might delve back into and uh, in, in trades. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since since that started. So now it's finished. It would be lovely just to, to read it start to finish. Yeah. How about yourself, Roddy? Anything you've got lined up? Who am? No, actually. Apart um, from the last three issues of Saga, of course. Yeah, I've got those, but nothing in terms of um, reading. Not really. I've been on a bit of a movie kick recently. Um, um, because I've been working, I haven't really had much time to set aside for reading stuff. But I think I'll I'll dive in a wee bit more. But I've been been on a real movie kick recently, which has been good. Um, and actually might might take the time when i'm home to do a bit of writing as well um so yeah i'll probably do a bit more of that and try and figure out some new ideas and figure out where some projects go after this coronavirus is all over so be interesting to see how all that turns out what have you been watching ronnie movies uh i watched an amazing uh i was gonna say war movie anti-war called a midnight clear oh yeah Uh, Got Ethan Hawke and uh, Peter Berg, who's a director of Friday Night Lights, and he's done a um, couple of movies about the Boston Marathon, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's an actor as well. It's it's fantastic. Um, it's about a group of English and American soldiers who stumble upon um, a Nazi, sort of an abandoned castle, and they sort of get into it with German soldiers, and then they sort of form an anti truce, and it's all about paranoia and what sort of happens after that it's really good um yeah just trying to go through go through all my dvds you know Sweet. well i've been uh i've been continuing the odyssey back through the marvel movies again and uh we just had that, uh, that trouble spot of uh of iron man 3 and thor 2 um <laughs> yeah but thankfully they're thankfully they're bookended by winter soldier and guardians of the galaxy so well, yeah, yeah. So we've got, uh, yeah. Obviously, you come out the back of uh, of Avenger, Thor, and then, uh, yeah, Wonder Soldier. Um, but I have to say, I enjoyed both of those movies considerably more this time around. Considerably more. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, they're they may be they may be amongst the, the the weakest of the the Marvel movies, but they're still bloody good movies. Interestingly, it's just a shame you you've already started because we could have, you know, had another podcast on the go. You know, coffee and Marvel movies. You know, <laughs> I could have just done a podcast review one at a time. I mean, it'd probably be worth it just for my spectacular rants on why the Iron Man movies are so terrible. More to the point, actually, I never got a chance to chat to you about this, Keith, <laughs> but. Uh, the other night, there was um, Zack Schneider did a three and a half hour live commentary for Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition, and uh, he did it through Vero. And I'm not too ashamed to say that I set up to two in the morning rewatching the movie while listening to his commentary at the same time. You watched it like a week ago. No, well, yeah, but then this was two days ago as well. So oh, okay, yes, right. yes. Yeah. he wa- he watched it twice in Jesus a week. Christ. Just uh, be careful, you're gonna be your your brain will turn more. Do you know what the funny <laughs> funniest part of it was? Um when he's first introducing the movie, he sort of pulls it up, he's got this class home theater, so he pulls up the movie 
and whatever um, the format that it was on, it had the Rotten Tomatoes score, and it was like 28%, <laughs> and he just went, oh, 28%, that's just rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were a few interesting tidbits in it. It wasn't like anything life-changing, but it was, a, it was a really cool idea, actually. It's it's one of the sort of cool things I think a lot of creators are starting to do, obviously, with being isolated and all the rest. Yeah. So so this was basically a three-hour live commentary, and uh, it resulted in the Xbox getting moved up to the bedroom and uh, right. watching that. But it did lead to us watching Wonder Woman again, and that is just a great movie, mm. I have to say. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, coming soon. Coffee and comics and movies. <laughs> Don't make, don't make promises you can't keep. Oh, I can keep them. I can keep them. The podcast uh, game is not coming up to bed. No, lovely, I lovely. wouldn't do that. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna stick a pin in it there. Uh, we will hopefully be back with a preview show soon, and then after that, the content is completely open to to suggestions. Uh, obviously, we'll not be getting really any new releases. Certainly, as I say, we'll keep you up to date with any. Uh, news that uh, comes out regarding distribution of new comics and releasing of new comics will will keep everyone informed. But uh, I'm sure we'll throw in a few book clubs and a few interesting bits and pieces over the yeah, we'll over the coming weeks. Uh, yeah. But in the meantime, I would just like to say it was a pleasure. It was nice to to chat to you guys again. I do miss the community aspect of the store. I do have to say more than anything. Uh, yeah, thanks. So it's just great just uh just to get a word with you guys. So uh, stay safe and healthy and. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to seeing you on the other side. Alrighty, this was this was this was fun an experiment, and we'll we'll work and we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep fine tuning it. Catch you yeah. later, guys. Uh, thank you, thank you to you guys for setting it up. You you all worked really hard. Really impressed with. It. Thank you. Pleasure. Cool. Anyway, guys, stay uh, safe. Come on, chat to you soon. Bye. Cool. Bye bye. Roddy. And keep on winging it. There we go. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>